Hey, yo, welcome to another edition of 43.6, the sports podcast you always wanted. I'm Dustin Perry, and I'm joined by James Key. Hello, James. Hey, you You might see my face. Are you really loud? <laughs> I think I have your audio. So you're like, you're like, hey, yo. And I was like, whoa, this man needs Don't to worry. call. I know he's excited. I scared the shit of him when I joined the Discord earlier. Yeah, Maddie did scare the hell out of me. Or also joined by Maddie Key. Hello, Maddie. Hey. Uh, yeah, Maddie scared the hell out of me because I was just looking over at one of my other monitors of just reading a sports story, catching up on some things. And Maddie, like, put. So his camera's off. I have no idea he's even there. And he just turned on his microphone and yelled as loud as he could into it. It was uh, terrifying. That's what I do. I'm here for the people. All the people who have joined us for this episode, we thank you very much. On today's episode, we're going to be talking about Sheldon Keefe, Jason Spezza, Oliver Ekman Larson, Bradley Beal, Ja Morant, the Oakland A's, and Wyndham Clark. All of that and a whole lot more coming up today on 43.6, which of course is brought to you by Now Your Treasures, which we will talk a bit more about later. But first, before we get into all that goodness, we do like to recap everybody on what's been going on in our lives in the past week. And James, we're going to start with you. Uh, I went to Wonderland. I went to land. Land, With a land, fam. I went to land, fam. No waste mans because it was... School, I don't know. Wastemans don't have money, I guess. <laughs> so I don't know. Wonderland's expensive, first of all. If you don't get in with the ticket deals, like you're fucked, at least for a good or like, if you're gonna be there for like family and you don't get like the meal deal thing, like the daily meal passes. Yeah. Where it's, it's stupid. Was this like an agreement between a bunch of parents that you're all gonna go on the same day? Dude, no. It, day? Dude, I ran into everybody we know. Minus That's you. That's what I'm saying. Like I was just rolling through Instagram this day, and I didn't see anything from you. So I'm interested. I'm hilarious. It's interesting that you're bringing this up. But I saw, I saw pictures from Maddie that he was at Wonderland. I said, "Oh, that's fun." And then a few few minutes later, I'm like, "Oh, Tarek is at Wonderland too." Okay, like, oh, and Caitlin's at Wonderland too. And I'm thinking, I'm trying to connect the dots and like, do all these people know each other in such a way that they'd all (laughs) go together? Smash reunion, and you weren't invited. (laughs) It's just like, it's like, hey, did I get? Did I miss an invitation? The funny thing was, though, is when we were standing there and Tarek's just staring over at us because he's like trying to wonder if that was you. Yeah, I mean, I haven't seen the guy in in the flesh in two years. So it was great to to catch up. And if like if I have a highlight of the week for me, like it was immediately, you know, going back to almost 2019, it felt like. And we were just we're already just laughing about the dumbest shit. Um Mostly to do with Ontario indie wrestling and, just <laughs> and having a good laugh at that, but like, dude, I don't know. I think there's. I think the universe is trying to tell me something because on then on Father's Day, which was this Sunday, for the people who don't know, yesterday. <laughs> well, it'll be Sunday when you listen to it. Um, for people who don't know, that Father's Day was this Sunday. Um, I went to like a brunch lunch thing at Symposium, which is like a a decent little cafe restaurant thing where like it's kind of like the pickle barrel where everything is on the menu um so i went there and when i walked in i looked to my right and who do i see one steve argentaru was sitting there uh, having having food because we live in the same hood so uh he was having food with his family so we got to catch up a little bit which was nice um for those you don't know slam and steve uh steve argentaru is uh a ring announcer for 
uh, Greek Town Wrestling, where Dustin is no longer employed. I don't That's think. <laughs> and um, but Steve's a great guy, uh, and it was good to catch up with him. Beautiful family, um, and an even more beautiful dude. So, I think the universe was trying to tell me something about pro wrestling and, and indie wrestling because even Tarek was like, "You're not done, are you, man?" And I'm like, "Nah." I think he's like, "You're not done." And I don't know if he's just trying to coax me into some shit, but I'm like, "Eh, I don't know, man." I've always said if I if I if I do do something, I would have to win the lottery and, and do my own thing because. I don't trust these people. I don't trust these people out there. I can so. agree with that. <laughs> but yeah, Wonderland was cool, man. We we uh, we basically so for the last couple of years we just take my kid, and then we do a couple rides for us, and then just devote the balance of the day to her. So we ran on Yukon Striker twice, which is easily my favorite ride there. Oh, it's God, that's the new one, relatively new one this year or last year, right? Uh, no, it's been around for a couple years, but it's the newest oh. one. Okay, fair enough. But yeah, it's basically like you get up there and you're in you're in basically like a Top Gun style seat, so your legs are dangling, but it's five seats instead of just the two. And you go up, and it's basically like a ninety degree drop face down, uh, which is legit. It's a lot yeah, of fun. Yeah, it like holds you there before it drops you, right? Yeah, so you can like sit in the front, which would be mucho crazy. I haven't worked up the nutsack to do it yet. Maddie's wife is all about going to the front. She's like, put me in the front. We're like, no, you're sitting with us in the back. So yeah, she, she, well, they didn't let her go to the front. She's like, can I just go to the front? Like by my, the guy's like, no. She's yeah. Like, well, I'm pretty sure the, I'm pretty sure the wastemans that work at land, like are, are, are at land work there. Like that's, there, there's some weird cats <laughs> that work at wonderland it is very odd. Um, yeah. So yeah, there was that, and then that was about it, dude. Though I have like a recommendation for people. Um, so, you know, I'm a big fan of like sometimes like shitty food. You know, I think everybody is. But my my recommendation to people, and I think I've learned this throughout time, is that never ever go for number two. All right, and what I mean by that? So tonight. I grabbed myself a sausage roll from Metro and they come in packs of two and I ate one. And I was like, that was really good. I'm going to go for the next one. Ooh. And I ate the second one and it was a bad choice. Uh, I immediately had instant regret about three quarters of the way through it. Uh, finished it. Cause you know, cause now you're committed and it tastes good. So two out of three, like, you know, this isn't good for you, but it tastes good and you've committed to it. So you have to eat it. I've, I, whether it's pizza, like that moment where you're like, should I or shouldn't I? My recommendation to everyone is just don't. Whether it's pizza, whether it's sausage rolls, whether it's street meat at the fucking Jays or the Leafs, whether it's an X, just don't. Don't, don't, don't. don't Always go, go with your gut. Or I don't, because that's, that's what I did. <laughs> I went with my well, gut. Well, no, but your bad... gut wasn't telling you I need a second sausage roll right now. No, that no was it was said it wanted one. No, that, that was your that was your tongue telling you wanted another yes, sausage that, you're, roll. You're living by your tongue. Yeah, my tongue tells me it wants a lot of things. All right. <laughs> I can only imagine uh, your poor tongue. Maddie, yeah. how about you? Uh honestly, pretty much same. Went to Wonderland. Um, did that, and then we yeah did the Father's Day things over at. Um, over at my dad's yesterday and my first father's day and people were like, Oh my God, how was it? I was like, 
my kid's a fucking loaf. Like she, all she does is, <laughs> is like eat, play for 20 minutes and then gets tired and wants to go to sleep. But you didn't so, have like any sentimentality or any sort of. No, I, I definitely did. It was like, it's really cool because you know, it's she's and anybody who's like, Oh, that's your child. That's not a possession. No, until she fucking turns 18. I own that shit. I invest <laughs> how much money into her over the next however much time I own that shit until she goes off into the world. So, but joking aside, uh, yeah, like it's, it's cool and shit and it's nice. You hang out with her and you know, she smiles and makes you happy. And, um, she's really chill kid though. So like, I'm very lucky. Like she doesn't, she doesn't whine a lot. She's very smiley. She's really like personable. She's got the big gummy smile that all babies have. That's the best. So no, it was cool. Um, but yeah, no, other than that, it's kind of low key, which is how I personally like it. I still, I I don't know if I should bring this up now. And I mentioned it earlier, but I did have like an hour and a half to myself because she was sleeping and wifey was running around grabbing like the father's day cake for yesterday. And I was watching happy Gilmore. And you know the like the little brief like 30 second scene where Shooter McGavin is lining up his chip and he's like, I think five iron. He's like, Oh, hand me my wedgie chips. And he's like, Oh, you're fired. What I like, I've seen the movie a million times. And I think because I've obviously really been into golf my whole life, but more so in the past five or six years. Why the fuck is the guy suggesting a five iron three feet off the green? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah and like, so, like, just yeah, the, like the suggestion alone should have had him fired like if he's like oh try a nine iron okay cool or like a pitching wedge right but like it just i it drove me nuts i i shot up i was laying down and i shot up and i was like what the fuck and i yeah, put it in you, discord you never realized it before yeah he's suggesting a 180 yard club two for, feet off the green for 40 yards not even yeah, that's He's, the thing. Like, I've seen that movie so many times. But if you had asked me today, hey, Dustin, you know that scene where Shooter fires his caddy? What club do the caddy suggest him to use? I would not have come up with five iron. He suggests him a five iron. I'm like, Shooter's on a hill. <laughs> and then so he goes, he's on a down. Yeah. And then he goes, well, you're fired. And it's like, dude, <laughs> the, moment, the moment you suggest <laughs> a 200-yard club, you're fired. Yeah. Like... Honestly, the caddy the two, has a better track record than that dude technically in that yeah, film. Right. And he's wearing one shoe. Left. <laughs> yeah. No, it's only wearing one shoe. But the two choices you have there are putter or wedge. The fact yeah. that he suggests a five iron, I'm like, did he just find this guy's on caddies to go? <laughs> I mean, like that's literally what Happy Gilmore did, though. <laughs> like, he just like bounced this guy in a... Goalies that you used to get for, like, oh, the, rent the, the rentals? Yeah, he was always hit or miss with those because we had to do a few of those for our like men's league team. And they're they are some strange fucking cats, man. Like these dudes are like I maintain this my whole life. Goalies are wired different, man. Yep. They, they are they are Dude, weird fucking. To take dudes. hundred well, I mean in most leagues it's not hundred, but it's probably closer to fifty or sixty. Still, mile an hour vulcanized rubber <laughs> towards your head and neck, you know. Yeah. So you gotta There's be a gotta little be bit something wrong little bit nuts but they should make uh rent a goalie but like tinder they should make tinder before like rent a goalies 
<laughs> you matching this guy home. looks good uh, you put your stats <laughs> you track your stats in rec league and post them as your tinder profile and be like ah oh, this guy's a 938 <laughs> swipe right so the rent a goalie is like an app thing and it's a guy so there's this is gonna be so funny i know jim's gonna laugh at this dustin will chuckle but jim will probably laugh a little harder because of how dumb it is there's a guy that's essentially an agent for all these guys and you contact him saying you need a goalie and you tell him what division you're in. He's like, oh, I got a few guys for you. And he sends you the names and all the divisions they've played in. He's basically a drug, he's a goalie drug dealer. Yeah, he's, he's, a, a, he's a goalie pimp. pimp. Yeah. <laughs> he's a so, goalie pimp. <laughs> he's done. The goalie's like, I think I'm going to stick with this team. The guy's like, get back in the car. Get the fuck back in the car. Is that the godfather? He's a goaltending father? Yeah. And so we've had to use that a few times. And like like I said, the weirdest fucking dudes. Like we had one guy who he would warm up, but what he would do is is he would get fully dressed, then sit on the toilet and do like self affirmations. Like, dude, this is like men's B League. Relax. You know, this isn't the cub. So maybe he's constipated. uh, And he's just full geared the the courage to get one out in full goalie gear. Nothing's the worst than getting fully dressed in hockey equipment and then oh. having to go to the bathroom that reminds me when i was sitting at symposium too this this family came in with this kid and and you know what's so bad okay listen i i grew up a hockey kid my brother grew up we were hockey kids growing up the the one day the hockey kid became a stereotypical kid like you know what the hockey kid looks like immediately they have yeah. they all have an accent now and I don't know where that accent came from. They all dress the same. Letter Kenny. They all have the same hat. Uh, they sit it the same way on their head. They have the same hair comes out the sides. They have the they have the same sunglasses, and, and they just it's almost like they're all from California, which is weird because like California didn't have a hockey team until like the mid nineties. So super weird that you know all of a sudden every hockey player is from California. They super literally just odd. look like Riley and Jonesy. Yeah, but like it. Right, but they're also they were like the worst hockey players until like the fifth season of that show. Yeah, that's <laughs> well, true. That's what happens. Basically, everyone else who was good eventually just stopped playing, and they're the only like mid thirties guys still playing hockey. And they're like, <laughs> "All right, we're good." Oh, right? I on, you put me in a mall, and I can pick out every dude there who plays hockey for sure. They all look the Easy. same, and they all walk the same. Yes, they all have a very distinct walk. They're all wearing slides with socks. Yep, and their knees don't you, bend. I, slides with socks. <laughs> I know you wear slides with socks, and does it not fit the description? And their knees don't bend when they walk. It's like it's like they're exactly on they're they're straight legging it. Yeah, and they drag their heels, and you just hear it. Yeah, all day. And like, like they're a little hunched movie. over, a little hunched over the necks down like this, and they're walking, yeah. and then like they have the one moment where they like do a stretch and the head comes back like it's all the same mannerisms every single one of is them. that a tune squad jersey it's not a jersey it's a tank top but oh it's, it's, it's lola right. bunny for sure i was right though i'm wearing a tune squad shirt is it lola bunny uh, i wish it was yo there's so, everyone was in love with lola bunny when we were kids lola bunny could yeah. still get it man She's <laughs> if you watch that movie again like they sexualize the shit on lola bunny serious oh. this is not this is incorrect <laughs> please correct yourselves <laughs> So apparently there's a website, um, and I heard about this on, do you know the comedian Trevor Lawrence? I thought I'd say on the dark web, but um, 
Trevor Do, Lawrence or not uh, Trevor Lawrence. Uh, is it? No, it's not Trevor Lawrence. What's his name? Trevor Wallace. Yeah, I don't think so. Yeah. Okay. So he has a podcast and he's like, there's a website called rule 34 and it's literally a website where it's just porn of everything. And he, they were searching Lola bunny on it and they just freaked out. They're like, how is this exist? The like, rule 34. You're a weird guy. Ace. Weird guy. Pretty yeah, much. It's, how it's, does uh, it exist? Because we are being marketed to now as for like millennial children that have grown up. Well, it's like when you go into the LCBO and what do you see? What's the hottest fucking thing in the LCBO this summer? White claw. No, it's Tahiti treat is what it is. Oh yeah. I saw that. Yeah. I saw that. I do want to try it though. Cause I grew up loving Tahiti treat. By the way, it's like Tahiti treat. Speaking (laughs) of, I don't know if we ever talked about this podcast. Did I ever tell you about the gimmick idea I had for Brent when we traveled? (laughs) How did I know that Brent was going to come up the second I said Tahiti treat? Yeah. So one time we were traveling, like, so we would do these shows that were like off brand. It was just like bot shows, right? So what a bot show is, is somebody pays you money just to put on a wrestling show in their town because maybe they don't get a lot of entertainment. Maybe it's for a festival fair, whatever. So, and so, we would like, we, so we important, would to, important to know that like the wrestling company then isn't in charge of selling tickets. They're not worried about any like, promotion of it the people who bought the show are in charge of selling the tickets and advertising the show you just go in and you run your show and that's it yeah that's all you're responsible for so we usually like to have a little fun at those shows because it exists outside of continuity right it's it's not technically whatever wrestling company proper so every time i went to these towns i I was he never did it but i always wanted to i wanted brent to do a caribbean gimmick and i wanted his moniker to be the tahitian treat Brent Banks, but he would never do it. But I did get him to come out to Faded by Soul Decision once. <laughs> okay, was... I was actually thinking about that today. So Were you there? I didn't think it was. I was there. It was I don't the know if it was Hamilton that... or wherever the fuck it, it, was. Was. In, it was. Like it in was the... in Burlington. It was in a hotel. It was in the. It was in the hotel, and I remember on the card, Ethan Page wrestled somebody. I think it was Hacker Scotty O'Shea. And they, and they the were like doing gimmick. a hardcore match and they were like fighting each other and they go to an elevator and, like, and you can see into the elevator. Yeah, it was great. It was smart. <laughs> and then like once the elevator starts going up, they both like do this thing where they're, they stop wrestling because like, oh, this is dangerous. It's, Hold on. Yeah. <laughs> and then it's, it reaches the second floor and they start fighting out. It's just so, yeah. so stupid. And great. the reason why they're doing this, because there was like 15 people in the crowd, like Sebastian Swab yeah. did his entrance and like he was high fiving every person. I'm like, oh, that's weird. And by the time he got around to like where we were, <laughs> he's counting every high five. He's like, oh man. Yeah, he was like, there's Anyways, 30 um, people here. So someone sent, I think it was um, referee Steve Sorensen. Oh, yeah. He sent me uh, a reel today. And the song was Montel, Montel Jordan. Is that the thing? This is how we do it over the fuck? Yeah, that's Montel Jordan. And I thought that was the song you used for Brent that nope. day. No, Faded but by no, Soul it Decision. It was Soul Decision. Okay. I don't yeah. know why I'm mixing and those up. But dude, yes, I had that. Ex- the, I remember this exact show today, which is so crazy. The minute the like semi-porn music started at the beginning of it, I could see him and he gives me that Brent look where he's like, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. You can't see it, but it's, okay, his eyes but, go wide and he's questioning you with his face. So... To back up and why this happened, and this is Brent's own damn fault. I don't think 
Brent has any idea how this music, uh, like how the music was made, how it was then played, and like where it comes from, and where like he he knows nothing. Anyways, so the show is happening or about to happen, and whoever's running the music said, "Hey, we don't have Brent's music." That's me. So, sure, and so it was you who said, "Oh shit, we don't have Brent's music." So I don't know if it was you or someone, but someone went over to Brent and said, "Yo, we don't have your regular music. What do you want to use?" He said, "Play anything." The man said, play anything. And I said, this anything. is my chance. <laughs> this is my chance. Challenge accepted, but, sir. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But that's, it's like when we went to Barry's Bay that one year and it was like the not so good year where it was like just really awkward. And we ended up, and I remember Brent and was it uh, James, it was Casey Andrews. They tag team together and we, I, <laughs> I played them out to Africa by Toto. And we called their tag team Toto Lee Awesome. I don't think I was there for that, but no, yeah, it was it was pretty fucked up. And then uh, Hacker and Suave uh, tagged, and ha- Suave wore Hacker's second uh, gear, so they looked the same. Scuba yeah, Scuba Steve's. <laughs> the Scuba Steve's. That's just wild that that exact thing came up today. That's pretty funny. Yeah, it is funny. Um, so for me. I saw Alexa on Fire this past uh, weekend. Dude, is the only band you see Alexis on Fire? What is that, 14th time? <laughs> I know. Every I, time so he's I've at seen a concert. Like this year. I've seen Alexa on Fire play many times. Who else have you seen, though, um, this year? Like, ever? <laughs> this, I mean, I could probably look up on my phone and tell you who I've seen this year. But, like, I haven't seen that many bands this year, honestly. Like, there's, has, I feel like there hasn't been a lot going on concerts there will be now that it's summer right but like when was ill scarlet when did i see that that was 49 weeks ago so i guess that was last year so yeah that the lex on fire might be the first concert i've been to this year i do go to a fair amount of concerts and actually i think the next concert i'm going to is lex on fire. <laughs> might feel like it might be alexis on fire they're playing in london coming up and i'm going to that one too and i don't know if i even put it in my calendar so i don't know but i am going to see them again at some point oh uh, it's on it's in july so never mind but yeah, that actually is the next concert. Because the next concert I'm going to after that is Bring Me the Horizon. Oh, and I'm shit. also is seeing that... Godsmack and Stained at some point too. Godsmack. That's unfortunate. And uh, oh dude, man, Aaron Lewis is a dirt worst. I don't know. I don't know why. I mean, Godsmack I just, is a sick drummer. I'll give him that. But Aaron Lewis you need is... like a thick leather bracelet that's at least like four inches uh-huh. thick, and then like a beaded necklace that has like at least two seashells on it. You got to gel, hemp. spike your hair right up, and then shave your beard down to just a fucking soul patch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I'm liking all this. This is <laughs> it's right up his alley. Um, yeah. What was it called? So who's bringing the Heisen playing with again? I, I heard that was a good show. It's Fall Out Boy, I believe. Right. That's going to be good. Yeah, so Fall Out Boy's a headline, and I frankly don't give a flying fuck about Fall Out Boy. I'm Sir, just you should go the because they're fucking awesome, especially live. You should I mean, stay I'll, I'll stick around. Yeah, they're fucking well, awesome. I, I guess I'll stick I don't, we'll see. But are um, you going to any of the shows just, this weekend? I am going to some wrestling events this weekend. Yeah, you going? Which ones? So I will be at Smash Wrestling on the twenty fourth this Saturday in London, Ontario, and then I am also going to be ring announcing for Girls Next Door on Sunday morning. Unfortunately, it's like eleven thirty in the morning, and then I'm doing the ring announcing for Defy slash Progress on Sunday afternoon. And then I am attending AEW's 
Forbidden Door with New Japan. I'm actually up in a box in the 600 level. So nice. That was one of the only reasons I was considering going because hmm. I, I learned at WrestleMania I don't like necessarily being in a wrestling crowd. So it changes the fact that as I'm you get older. Of, <laughs> You're like I can't yeah. be among these people. <laughs> exactly. Um, I'm going uh, Saturday. It'll be my first wrestling show since I quit. Well, there you go. So that'll be interesting. I actually tried to get booked on that show, but uh, Tony Schiavone said no. I was like, oh, okay, cool, man. Did you actually? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, he actually responded. That's pretty awesome. But uh, yeah. That, hey, at least he knows you exist. Actually, let's uh, just because that happened this weekend, um, AEW did their first episode of Collision this weekend. It was good. And that was kind of like the way I framed it was like, hey, if you guys are looking for like a fresh sound and like a different presentation for the show, like here's my stuff and whatever. Um, but and that's what they ended up doing. But they actually did have Dasha do the ring announcing. And thank God <laughs> their play by play team was Kevin Kelly and Nigel McGuinness. So I'm like, this is what this like, this is what this needs to be. Like you can't have Excalibur on every single show that they do. Like it just you need a fresh sound and something that is presented would you, different, right? Would you have called Buddy Matthews Buddy Murphy? Probably. Okay. <laughs> I can see myself doing that. Yeah. I I definitely can see especially when it's so similar, right? What'd you think of uh okay, can we transition this into the sports talk and use this as our kind of first topic? Because um it's the, I want to talk a little bit. It's not on the list, but I want to talk about the ESPN article real quick. Oh, okay. Um, let's, sure. Or can we tack that on the end? We can, yeah, you know what? Let's do that. Let's tack on a wrestling thing at the very end, and we'll come back to all of this. So let's save some time for wrestling at the very end. Um, I would like to also mention, I okay, so we were talking about like Wonderland for you guys being like a reunion of people. For me, it happened like on, this, you guys went on Friday, didn't you? Yep. For me, it happened on the exact same day, just a different part of town. When I went to see Alexa on fire, like the first, like, as soon as I walk in, as soon as I, first person I see is Blake Murphy. I'm like, oh, holy shit. Like, what are you doing here? And apparently, like, he's good buddies with the dudes and pup. So, I'm like, oh, okay. That makes, that makes perfect sense. And Blake's then I just walk. Dude. He's a really good dude. Yeah. Uh, maybe we'll get him on the show one day. We we'll should. See. We should, actually. I'll, I'll ask and we'll see what happens. Um, and then I like, walk th- into the, the grounds and I go over the bridge and, and, and then there's Angel and Mallory. I'm like, holy fuck. Like, I, like, like, you guys are right there. And then, like, you walk further, you find someone else. You walk further, and, like, oh, there's Alan and Kayla. And you walk further, and there's Travista. And, like, this is just person after person after person that you just run into. It's pretty cool. Like, we were literally talking about this one particular dude that a friend of mine who came with me, Earl, he used to play in a band. And in the band was this guy, Royden. And we're like, I said to him, like, did you message Royden? Like, he's probably here. It's like, oh, yeah, he probably is. And we literally turned a corner as we're having this conversation. And there he was. And Dude, maybe it was uh, across the Spider-Verse, you know? Maybe we're just all it was, intertwining at that moment. It was crazy. Maybe it was like an inflection it, point. Or what, it, what, is, what is it called in the MCU now? An incursion? Incursion. Maybe we we're about to suffer an incursion. But uh, speaking of multiple timelines and stuff, I did all see The Flash. Um, Moving on. <laughs> yeah, so here, here's the thing. I know a lot of people are high on this movie and saying, oh, it's a great movie. It's a good time. I think you will really enjoy this movie if there's two things that you really like. I should say that. If there's two things, <laughs> there's two, there's like two factors as to why you may enjoy this movie. One, if you can get over the Ezra Miller stuff. To me, it's not that I'm not over it. I just, 
I sometimes ask myself, is this guy a worse person or worse actor? And considering how bad of a person he's allegedly uh, become and he is accused to be, that's saying something. So, and considering how many scenes in this movie is Ezra Miller on screen with Ezra Miller, it's like flash and flash talking to each other and having a conversation. Like 60, 60% of this movie is the flash talking to the flash. It's so if you're a fan of his acting, you may enjoy this movie. Uh, to me, I found him incredibly annoying and I'm like, get this fucking idiot off the screen every time he's on the screen. But again, maybe that's just me. And then secondly, if you're a super hardcore DC fan, there's a lot in here of fan service and references and Easter eggs. And like, so for that reason alone, I can see a lot of people saying, man, I love this movie. It was a great time because of all those references and little winks and nods to you. So for you guys, I know you guys love comic books. I don't know how high on DC you are versus Marvel, but I think it's worth seeing for that because there's a lot there for hardcore DC fans. To me, I'm like, I like Batman, and that's essentially where it begins and ends. And I didn't think it was enough for me personally to say it was a good movie. Out of 10, I'd give it a six. Not a horrible movie, but it's okay. I'll see it when it comes to home theaters. I feel like that's what a lot of people are. Digital next week. (laughs) Or whatever. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I I, I haven't looked at the numbers. I bet it probably did well in the box office because Elemental. It didn't really. No, no it, it underperformed so, Black Adam. Yeah. Ooh. Which is Ooh, why. Ooh, that's not good. Yeah. It underperformed Black Adam and uh, Shazam 2. And Shazam 2 sucked. So. Still haven't yeah. seen it. I, I would say it's not worth the time watching Shazam 2. But, like, it's on Crave. So, like, we want to The problem is, is when you, create, when you create connected universes on both sides now, like, James got, like, it's all inconsequential. Right, so that's the problem. It's it's the movie is if you're the type of person that's like I don't really give a shit anyway. Cool, but chances are if you're into these films, you like the the thirty thousand foot story. And if they're all inconsequential, then the fuck am I gonna rush to see this for? Right? Yeah, especially since they're telling you like after the next two DC movies, which is like Aquaman two and Blue Beetle, or the fuck that one's called. Apparently, Blue Beetle's in the new DCU. Oh, is it? Yeah. See, this is what I mean, man. It's just a, it's just a mess. It's yeah. like someone took a, a, a pot of spaghetti and threw it on the floor and said, "Here, DC." <laughs> it's like, okay. Sure. Sand sauce. <laughs> but what uh, also is relatively confusing is the situation with the Toronto Maple Leafs. It's something we touch on almost every week because always something with this team. I'm just looking past in the last couple of weeks. It was, you know, it was Shane Doan last week and it was uh, Bradshaw living the week before. And then Kyle Dubas getting fired. And, and uh, I mean, the Leafs getting eliminated from the playoffs. And it's been a, it's a whirlwind ever since the Maple Leafs got eliminated from the playoffs. Today, the reports that came out, and I don't know who to attribute this to because I feel like it was one of those things where you see a tweet from Elliot Friedman and then literally at the same time that tweet comes out, you'll see a tweet from Frank Saravalli and like it's you look at the timestamp and they both say 45 seconds ago. It's like, are you guys all like the same like Android that's running your Twitter accounts? (laughs) I feel like there's some guy 
who runs a MailChimp account or a, like a, a tweet deck account. And he just types the tweet and presses enter. And every insider tweets the same thing at the exact same time. I'm pretty sure this came from Chris Johnston. Okay. So let's attribute this to Chris Johnson. Also, he's a good dude. He is. Um, I mean, I, I don't know if he is or he isn't, actually. He seems like he is one. Presents himself as a good dude. <laughs> right. <laughs> and the, the, the story is supposedly that Sheldon Keefe met with Brad Living. I don't know if it was over the weekend or whatever it was, but they met recently. And based on that interaction, not only is it, not only has Sheldon been given the impression that he's going to be back for this season and he's not going to be let go, because there was still a question mark when Brad Trillivan got brought in of like what was going on with Sheldon Keefe. But it sounds like Sheldon Keefe is staying, certainly, for this season. And there was even talk of an extension happening this summer. So we don't have a lame duck coach situation. I kind of like that idea. It's almost like we should have did that with Kyle Dubas, but nevertheless, here we are. Now, are you at all surprised of the way this went that Sheldon Keefe is remaining with the Toronto Maple Leafs, not just now, but in the future? No, because you can fight, like you can sign this guy, and if they end up going like sub 500 up until January, you just toss them and. I mean, he's, it's not like he's getting Mike Babcock money. It's not like he's getting top coaching money of the league, right? He'll... But shouldn't he? No. I mean, if you look at... They always talk about, like, Sheldon Keith's record, right, of the past couple seasons and how many points that the Maple Leafs got last year and the year before and, Great. you know, setting franchise records Great. in points in a season, right? Cool. Right. But I mean, I'm just saying, if I'm the agent of Sheldon Keefe, I'm saying you gave Babcock X and we're okay with paying Babcock to not be the coach of this team. Right. Then you I just want all of that money you are paying Mike Babcock to not be the coach and give it to my client, Sheldon. Then, then you say, fine, then go win two gold medals in a Stanley Cup. Right. I, yeah. Cool. I'm. It. My thing when I hear stuff like this and I see, you know, who's you, – you have to take into consideration Sheldon Keith's relationship with these players. And if you think that there's value to that. So, you, first of all, you're assessing who's going to be on this team, right? And Austin Matthews is going to be on this team. John Tavares is going to be on this team. William Nylander and Mitch Marner are 90% going to be on this team unless one of them moves. I'm willing to say 100% on this team. So there's there's a relationship to those players that is and Morgan Riley too is is beneficial you could argue. And then you look out and you say okay, which coach is better? than the relationship that this coach currently has with this team or these players. And I don't know. I mean, are you, do you plug in a Peter Lavolette if he didn't go to New York? And, and does he make a difference? Do you plug in a Gerard Gallant? And does he make a difference? So I don't know. That's the thing. There's other options out there that are arguably just as successful for a longer period of time or that have had more playoff success. So you can tell, Keith can go in there and say, hey, I want that money, like Dustin said, but they can say, 
no, you're gone. And bring in, like I said, someone like Gallant, who's had more playoff success, more season success over his career, that would probably come slightly cheaper. Do you think it's an upgrade, though? I mean, we can Gallant's make the argument cheaper. But Keith. we can make the argument all we want to say. I'm trying to think of how to put this. If we're going to hold players to the standard of to say, great, you haven't done it for us in the playoffs, so it doesn't fucking matter. We have to hold Keith to the same standard. Oh, dude, he's he's severely been outcoached in six of the seven series that they've been in, in like, or whatever. Was it? He was in the Columbus series. That's one outcoached. Montreal series. Against Dominic Ducharme too, who's dirt worst coach of all time. He was outcoached. Maurice schooled him. The Boston coach outcoached him. Well, he also just won a cup, so that's understandable. You know, Bruce Cassidy outcoached. Him. Yeah, for sure. But I'm saying he was outcoached. Yeah. And then yeah, he was outcoached by Cooper year one, and then outcoached by Maurice. Huge. So, and, and you could say like, oh, how was he? There were there's a deployment time style of play there are many lack, ways lack of lack of timing on proper adjustments leaving right. justin hall in when he should not have been like that's the yeah, bare but okay, minimum but but slurpy fuck off <laughs> <laughs> this dude's just trying to antagonize me now but here i got a question and this is kind of like like obviously a massive hypothetical say keith signs two more years on top of this one so he's three more years Say Tampa has a really bad run. John Cooper gets fired. Do you fire Keith right away and throw all your money at John Cooper? Yes. Dustin? I, it, it's interesting to me of like, how long of an extension are we talking here? I imagine because Matt, Maddie's on the ball. I think if he gets an extension, it's going to be for two years. Because I think that's long enough that you're going to give the guy an opportunity to win. Not so long that you're going to be on the hook for shit tons of money if he doesn't. Like, if you got to fire him in January, you're on the hook for two years of, what, three and a half, probably? Yeah. That That's what I was driving at, because if you look at just their, the way their roster is made up right now, there's no one on this team, with the exception of Morgan Riley, that's under contract for more than, like, a year or two. Right. So, to sign Sheldon Keith for, like, five years, it's like, what, what are we doing? So, <laughs> like I, I will... I will say that I was actually looking at that the other day and I was talking to a friend about it and it's actually really interesting. Dubas obviously thought he was going to be here for much longer. And if you look at the way a lot of these guys contracts are set up, they're in a prime position when this cap is going to skyrocket to have a lot of flexibility to do whatever they want. Not just that. And I don't want to listen. I'm not throwing down the, the Maple Leaf bait and I'm not trying to make, uh, you know, well, he's saying that Connor McDavid's coming, <laughs> but a lot of that stuff does coincide when that man's contract mm -hmm. ends. So I'm not, I'm not trying to be a conspiracy theorist here, but you know, it's it's the same. If they do it in baseball, which everybody knows they do, if they do it in basketball, which everybody knows they do, it's not well, outside the realm of possibility that a hockey general manager looked at upcoming free agents and said, "I want to be." extremely cap flexible at the time of said free agent and i'm just do you think there's a do you think there's a world in which we have both matthews yeah. and mcdavid on the same team yeah but it, it comes at the cost of 
the other guys. No, no. Okay. Are you okay then? Your top two centers for say six years, hypothetically being Matthews and McDavid, but knowing that you're winging your wing scoring and your D are probably going to suffer because of it. The Penguins did it. Yeah. But the Penguins did it with them taking relatively good deals. Like Sid took 8.7 million. Right. So now Matthews, you know, is going to want a lot. McDavid's going to want a lot. I don't think it's going to happen. Right. I mean, if it does happen, it's going to be one or the other. I don't know. You know, people are like, oh, don't be the Leaf guy. Listen, look at that man's full picture on draft day and tell me how much this guy wants to sign an extension. Yeah, you can, you can tell me all you want that he's, you know, he's young and he was just like, oh my God, that caught up in the moment of being drafted and you don't know how to react. And you could say, oh, it had nothing to do with it being Edmonton. Okay, it's easy to spin that after the fact because you have to save face. Everyone caught that shot. Like the second it was announced that Edmonton got that pick and it was not happy. And if you listen here, I'm going to throw you a hypothetical. I know we're spiraling off here, but... That's if you're as good as Connor McDavid is, and I know we've talked about this, but this year's kind of proved all my thoughts different. Uh, if you're as good as he is, people are like, oh, what about the the celebrity and the limelight and the pressure? Dude, what fucking pressure? You're fucking Connor McDavid. The pressure's already gone because you're the fucking there's no pressure when you're the best because there's nobody there's nobody pushing down on you from the top. This guy had no fucking competition this year. No fucking competition. He didn't have fucking competition on his team. The league couldn't keep up with him. Not the 28 other dudes on his team. And not the rest of the league. The guy comes here, it's a cakewalk. Because it's a cakewalk for him to do anything. So I don't believe that this kid feels like, like, come home. Like, do the Tavares thing. But you have no pressure. What are you going to do? The only pressure would be to deliver a cup. But nobody else has done that in 100 years. So Think think of it. This is the way I, I look at it. You have all these guys signed right now, currently under the current cap. If the cap does skyrocket, like they say it will, even if you give Matthews a three, four million dollar raise and McDavid comes in at roughly the same price, you can get them both and still have decent wing scoring and make it work. Here's the okay, thing: so the cap's not going to gonna skyrocket though, because and we know it's not going to happen because but the NHL loves money for. Like it's not going to skyrocket because the moment it skyrockets, it means the teams don't pool like whatever revenue they're getting. Like it's it's not going to go to escrow, so they want they need, they want to give that money to Phoenix. They don't want to give that money out to the teams. Connor McDavid is still under contract until twenty five twenty six. He's a free agent uh, in two after years the, for the twenty six twenty seven season. So three oh, years. So three when years. the CBA when the CBA expires. So. That said, in 26-27 is the offseason where he is a free agent if he does not resign in Edmonton before that. How old will he be? Like 29, he'll be like 28-29. He is currently 26 years old, so yeah, he'll be like 29 years old. Okay? And then, as of right now, 26-27, the amount of people the Maple Leafs have under contract for 26-27 like is two. one. There's <laughs> one Riley. guy. Morgan Riley. Morgan Riley. That's it. So, Sure. It may not matter what they're like, what they pay Matthews, because even if they pay Matthews an extension, like he might be gone by 26, 27. Like he might only sign a two year deal and get paid, you know, what's whatever 34 million is divided by two. And 
that because he needs to have 34 in his contract. And then you maybe you sign after John Tavares contract comes up in 25, 26, maybe you resign him to be, you know, a fourth line guy to plays for a million dollars a year or something. So there's 10 million bucks you have left. And who knows what happens with Marner? I think Marner probably resigns here and he'll get whatever uh, $16 million a year, I guess, because he has to get his jersey number in there. And Nylander will probably be gone. So you'll have plenty of cap space. It's not even That's a question. You'll have app- at that point, you say Matthews signs a three. Like everyone's like, "Oh, Matthews got to sign the eight years." Fuck no. Have him no. sign the three. Let you have the choice. At the end of the day, like, uh, to me, I don't know. I mean, is there a chance that they both walk? Yeah, but I mean, we all know these guys have an understanding way before what's going to happen. There's agents. You don't think like, again? We know agents talk, players talk. It's not. It, the word gets around. If, if, oh, if they, not- they do the old elementary school where they slide the note that says, do you like me? Yes, no, maybe. And they pen. just say, check one. Yeah. They roll it up in a signing pen. Matthews, signing Matthews to a three-year deal this offseason will make his last year of that contract 26-27. And that can be the offseason where you bring in McDavid and maybe that's a, a carrot of incentive to say to Matthews, look, look what we have now. You need to stay and sign another three-year deal or whatever, right? But, but I mean, you don't. But, but it gives you the like you're not committed to anything, which, I mean, if you're committed, if you're not committed to anything, then you're committed to nothing. However, and, and there's a risk that it all goes south because you get nobody. But, so uh, here, here's the thing: Who do you think is more likely to step away from the team, regardless of if Matthew signs two years, three years, five years, eight years, whatever? When Say he signs in three years and they're both up at the same time. Who do you think is more likely to walk away from their team? If neither win, if 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 both of them are kind of in the same position as they were at the end of this year, I would say question. You think Matthews is more likely to walk away from the Leafs than McDavid than from the Oilers? I would agree. I, I would. I would. I should say agree. I would say yes, only because I always feel like there's a level of fuck this place by Americans. If you think of it this way, if I was, and maybe this is an extreme example, but let's say if I was a professional hockey player, I'll try to make it less of an extreme example. If I was a professional hockey player and I got drafted to play in Chicago, great market, great city, but when my contract's up, I want to play in Canada because I'm from here. I don't like the US. I shouldn't say that. I, I don't mind the US, but like, it's different, right? And a lot of these American guys, well, they'll play here and they don't have a problem with it. And they say, oh man, Toronto's a great city. And we see it all the time with the Raptors. All the time. Guys love the city. But they're, sure. they're, they're ready but to it's leave. different. They are ready to go when it's time to go. Chris Bosh was out of here as soon as possible. And he loved it here. But he's like, fuck this place when he had a chance to go. Because he's American. And he's like, this is, this is Canada and it's different. And it's a pain in the ass to go through customs all the fucking time. It would be great if I can just fly from... Chicago to New York and New York to Boston and Boston to Atlanta and without having to deal with all that shit. Whereas yeah. every away game, you're dealing with that old customs nonsense, right? Yeah, I mean... Now, basketball is um, different where there's only the one team, and obviously there's more Canadian teams in the NHL, but still, if I you're an American saying, man, citizen... The biggest threat to the Toronto Maple Leafs and Austin Matthews, the two biggest threats are LA and the Rangers. Yeah, the Rangers. I think, you know, and, and LA because I think Primetime, Hollywood, close to Vegas, UFC. Actually, Vegas is another one. People don't talk a lot about Vegas. 
Yeah, they talk a lot about, well, they make the joke about Phoenix. You know what's not far from Phoenix? It's fucking Vegas. Remember how many times that we saw a UFC card and you would see, like, Joe Thornton, Mitch Marner, Justin Bieber. Freddie Anderson. And Austin Matthews. Yeah, all sitting ringside together. You, know, you don't if think... It, if the guy's a big MMA fan and wants to go see a lot of fights in Vegas... Be close to home. Yeah. And, and they just want a fucking cup. Yep. Right? Like... I, I just, I'm I'm just saying, man. Vegas, uh, I wouldn't be surprised. And Vegas knows how. Vegas will sell their grandmother up the farm to get the player they want. They brought in Max Pacioretty and then turned him around and said, "See you, Max Pacioretty." Right? They didn't give a shit. Gone. We want Jack. We need money for Jack. Goodbye. You know, Mark Andre Fleury. You make this much. Goodbye. Like, they don't give a shit. Right? So, you don't think. And in a moment, like, and listen, Mark Stone, wonderful captain, man's injured, and it's sad. You don't think they'd be like, "See ya, Mark Stone." <laughs> if if they had a, <laughs> if they had a chance at Austin Matthews, they fucking would, in a heartbeat. That's just that's how ruthless they are, and they want a cup because they're that ruthless. Now, speaking of some ruthless business, also earlier this past week, Jason Spezza was announced. As the new assistant general manager. You could have gone either way with that one. (laughs) (laughs) I really could have. (laughs) Yeah, we have two more hockey stories, and both of them are uh, ruthless business uh, maneuvers, we'll say. And Jason Spezza was announced as the assistant general manager of the Pittsburgh Penguins. And of course, we have been talking a lot about the Penguins in the past few weeks because former Leafs general manager Kyle Dubas is now the president of the Pittsburgh Penguins hockey operations or whatever the position is technically called. And it got me thinking, and I didn't sufficiently do enough research to be able to answer this question. So I don't expect you guys to come up with the answer either, unless you you know off the top of your head. But like, has there ever in the history of the NHL been a time where an assistant general manager was named before the general manager was? I was just thinking the same thing. I was like, this dude doesn't even know who his boss is. Unless he does. Yeah, he does. It's Kyle Dubas. No. No. It's Brandon Pritchard. No, unless... Yeah. Right. And that's what I'm getting at here. Unless he already knows that Brandon Pritchard, once his contract is up... and Okay, I'm not going to pretend like I know the contract situation of Brandon Pritchard. I don't. July 30th. Or June 30th. And and that very well could be what it is, right? It could be a situation where Brandon is up... At the in July first, he's going to work with the Maple Leafs to get them through the draft because for whatever reason, Brad for living can't do it. Sure enough, he'll, I'm sure Brad will just show up in a trench coat with like glasses and a mustache. And oh, he'll be the Bobby Valentine, <laughs> right? <laughs> just the Bobby Valentine. He'll have the eye black as a fake mustache over the fucking. <laughs> <laughs> Brad Living is going to show up at the draft wearing a Shane Doan sweater. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you don't think Shane Doan's going to be sitting at that table with Brad Living in like an earpiece? Yep, for sure. But because everyone no, so badly wants Calgary's uh, intel, right? Yeah, right. It's it's stupid. But um, but that's what I'm getting at. Like, do you think that okay? So whether it's Brandon or whether it's Haley Wickenheiser or whether it's someone within the Leafs organization that has a contract coming up, and Dubis is already on the phone with this person and says, "Yo, when your contract's up, come on over here. It'll be a promotion to you, so that at least." The Leafs in the league can't say anything if an AGM goes and accepts a GM job. If he was poaching someone who was an AGM to be an AGM or a GM to be a GM, it would be a problem. 
but he's if you're offering someone a promotion, the league and the team usually does not stand in the way. So my only thing is is how much of and again every, everyone is to some degree because you're in the industry. But how much of a hockey guy is Brandon Pridham? Now, is that why you're surrounding him with hockey people so that it makes his life easier? But is he going to be kind of like a Bobby Webster where we know Masai is really the one making all the things, the deals and the moves and whatever, and Bobby Webster's name just gets put on it. But is that going to how, it, how it's going to be? And the enticement is, hey, I'll give you a GM title. You come over here, but I'm still doing this. You're just still doing yeah. all the... Gets so actually, that, that's a great comparison to Bobby and Masai. Where, and like, I can see that totally being the pitch of, hey, man, come on over to Pittsburgh. I'll pay you more money because you'll have a GM title. Yeah. And we'll just go back to the way that things were last year, where I'm your boss and we have you do all the things that you were doing last year. And I'm going to continue to doing things I was doing last year. Yeah. And we won't have Brandon ahead of us. And like we can just do whatever we want. It's our team. Yeah. It's Spezza, him, and yeah. I, I mean, that it makes the most sense. Like, you just come in here, be a GM, but really, you're a capologist. I'll be the president, but I'm really the president and GM. And Spezza's still Spezza. Like, that's just it's Spezza's gonna Spezza. <laughs> yeah, he's gonna do his laugh and and cheer really, really aggressively. And you know, I'm, I'm kidding. Spezza was great, but. No, we, I, we love Jason Spezza. Yeah. There will be no hate on Jason Spezza on the show. No. Except, except for that's going to be an awkward conversation between him and Sid in the room when one of the most highlight real goals of Sid's career was absolutely gullying Spezza around the net. But, but yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, it makes it makes too much sense, and uh, Kyle's already fired a lot of people in Pittsburgh. He's made a lot of people jobless. Um. And I imagine it's because uh, on July 1st, he's bringing a lot of dudes from, from this organization, dudes and dudettes. Do you think him. Haley Wickenheiser goes, or do you think because of her family and her life and her being a doctor, and Toronto's convenient for her and she wants to stay? She'll have more resources here in her gig. If she wants to, she wants to excel at where she's at and grow, I don't think she's going to get it in Pittsburgh, to be honest. Not to the same the degree. I don't think the resources are going to be there to do it. Um, so if I were her, I would stick around here personally. Um, unless you like, unless there was like that lead, unless they were going to give her the GM job, because you know what I mean? Like it would have to be a significant investment in me to go to Pittsburgh from, from the Maple Leafs. I know the Maple Leafs have a hard way up, but they're very, they've always been a very for, well, I would say in the last 10 to 15 years, they've been a four year forward thinking organization. And it, you know, I think it's a better environment for her. On that I also, front. I also think it's it's tough because I know there's well, not so much now because Fenway Sports came in, but there is difficulties with Pittsburgh, especially with the outgoing Crosby and Malkin. Like, what's your future look like with that team? But that's you know, what Dubas wants, right? He wants a blank slate. He wants to get his, his which is fine. clay. Right, which is fine, but what I'm saying is, is from a fan retention standpoint. Oh, they got their work cut out for them. Yes, when those you know, it's not like gone. the Leafs where you can come out and say this team's gonna be shit. We're gonna have Peter Horchek coach this oh. team, and we're gonna actively tank, and fans are gonna be like, yeah, and sell out still Dude, every game. There, there was a time where there was it was close to where Pittsburgh would cease to exist. 
if they didn't get a new arena and Lemieux didn't step in and take over things and, and right the and ship. And Sid didn't come in. If if they don't get Sid, all of that still goes down the drain. Right? But the problem is is they have no future outside of those guys. Like they don't have any young prospects to be excited about. They don't have any guys that are there that can step in once those guys leave to be like, this is my team now. They're a bunch of cardboard flavored fucking players outside of Sid Malkin and Latang. One other name to keep an eye on is Wes Clark, who's the assistant director of player personnel and director of amateur scouting at the Maple Leafs. Yeah. He has strong connections with Dubas as well. So it may not just be Haley and or Brandon, who is the person that ends up becoming the general manager of the Pittsburgh Penguins, but uh, I don't know. It Over seems under- like there's... Sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, it seems like there's some uh, smoke and well, sometimes when there's smoke, there's fire. I was going to say, over under 3.5 people leave the Leafs to go to Pittsburgh. Over. On... 50. An entire staff is going. I feel like they're already over three. Yeah. <laughs> right? Hey. Like between... Yeah, I mean, no. And there's probably now. a bunch of people that you, you don't even know, right? Like, for example, when... Um, when Nick Nurse got let go from the Raptors, he wasn't the only one who got let go. Like the the news the news cycle is, oh, Nick Nurse has been let go, but like the entire coaching staff got let go for the most part. Like there was like fifteen guys that got let go when Nick Nurse got let go, right? So mm-hmm. I bet there's a whole bunch of people that got let go as well when um, when Dubis got let go, and just people that are in the office that you don't even know who they are, and now all of a sudden they're working for Pittsburgh. So I would say it's well over three, three three and a half. Also, fuck that guy for his co- his uh, graduation comments, his convocation comments. Yeah, I don't have any problem with what he said. Like he said, it's he failed, fucking... and he did. No, he said we had a, uh, a lot of failure in Toronto. Sure, I guess, but then, okay, but if that's the case, say, then. Right? <laughs> But if that's the case, that uh, I don't. Eh. If he's gonna sit there and say we had a lot of failure, but I wanted eight million dollars. Okay, so actually, I'm glad you brought this up because I forgot about this. What I also found interesting was the way he had said, "So I got fired." Duh. Right, because, and that's what like the conversation was around when he got, you know, when he was told that his contract's not going to be renewed or whatever. He got fired. Like it wasn't a, oh let's wait to your contract renews or whatever, and that's the way the Maple Leafs spun it. That's the way uh, Brandon Shanahan spun it. Was that we're just not renewing Kyle's contract? No, Kyle got fired, and we are seeing the unraveling of this front office ever since. And the and the Sheldon keeps staying is just another situation of like, so you wanted everything that Dubis has created. You're not trading anybody. You're keeping the coach. You're going to keep Kyle Dubas until you fired him because someone shit in Brandon Shanahan's sandwich that day. No, like I said, is I think Elliot Freeman put it the best is the second you see a guy that's not all in it, regardless if he was doing his posturing, like Elliot Freeman, like I said, he's a very fair guy and he's very, I guess, aware and like he's very in touch with you know, the important things, you know, understanding that, yeah, mental health is very important. But even he said, this is one of those things. This is an exception to the rule that you can't be 95, 99% in. You're 100% in or you're, it's not for you. My and thing is, man. don't dick the franchise. He tried to dick the franchise. 
I think that's more of what it was. I don't know yeah. what dicking is the right word. No, but, but I think it's more of like him saying, I want the president's role. And we don't know if he said that for sure. No, he tried to the dick the franchise because he tried to take them for another $5 million a year. When he just, and then, and then four weeks it's later, not about he was a self admitted. It. So, but then four weeks later, he's a self admitted failure. Hey, all that money you were just paying. Uh, <laughs> Mike Babcock, yeah. Mike right, Babcock, can I have that money? <laughs> regardless of the fact that whether the organization can afford it or not, it's you're playing chicken with the rich, one of the richest sports franchises on the planet. I mean, listen, I think it worked out for him anyways. If if he if he had taken this team to like a conference final and then a cup final and then they lost those both and whatever, yeah, he can go in there and say whatever. But honestly... Yes, he did is, a lot to put this we'll team never, in good positions. But that we'll never know. We'll never know what portion of this team is Shanahan and what portion of this what portion of this team is Kyle Dubas. Because there's the whole That you know, he made deals he didn't want to make. Right. So you don't like which deals did did Shanahan override? Which deals does Shanahan sign off on? If that is indeed the case, again, this could be none of Kyle's team, really, for all we know. Right? We point. just don't know. And I guess we was, will now. Yeah. There was a lot of talk that came out that said there were deals that were made that Kyle didn't want to make, but he was essentially forced to make. Well, and there were ones that were vetoed. Yeah. If it's a good deal, it's it's a good deal. And uh, let me tell you about a great deal because this episode is brought to you by Now Your Treasures. Now Your Treasures are purveyors of licensed fine art prints for movies, comics, TV, and video games. Sourced from galleries in the US and UK, which include artists from all over the world. Visit Now Your Treasures on Instagram. Send a DM 43.6 to receive 43% off any order. All orders are shipped with tracking and complimentary insurance. View the entire ever-expanding inventory at nowyourtreasures.ca or .com. That's N-O-W-Y-O-U-R-T-R-E-A-S-U-R-E-S dot C-A or .com. And remember, go to Now Your Treasures on Instagram. Send a DM 43.6 to receive 43% off any order. The Vancouver Canucks are going to be getting a lot more than 43% off the contract of Oliver Ekman Larson over the next billion years, it feels 15 like. 15 years, yeah. Oliver Ekman Larson was bought out earlier this week. And it's okay. So, the reason why we're talking about this, because frankly, I don't give a rat's ass about Oliver Ekman Larson, but there's an interesting little caveat here of what happens and what the ramifications of this buyout are. So, first, of course, the Vancouver Canucks will get some cap relief. They're only on have like $146,000 against the cap this year for Oliver Ekman Larson. Larson, of course, was tr- originally signed by the Arizona Coyotes and then was traded to Vancouver. It was an eight year deal that he signed with the Coyotes. He was then traded about halfway through that deal. No, no, two years into that deal, he was traded. And then he played two more years for the Vancouver Canucks until he was eventually bought out. So that means there's four years remaining on this contract. This contract would pay Oliver Ekman Larson $8.2 million a season. $8.2 million a season. Maple Leafs fans, know when you look at that Morgan Riley contract and you say, holy crap, the guy's making $7.5 million? That's a bargain. 
Morgan Riley is a useful player in the NHL. He is a hell of a Maple Leaf, and he will play his entire career as a Maple Leaf, and he will go into the Raptors one day as one of the greatest defensemen for this franchise of all time. He's making $7.5 million. Oliver Eppin Larson is making $8 million for the Vancouver Canucks, and that's why he ended up being bought out. And then, of course, the the parameters of the buyout, I, I believe it ends up doubling the term, but you're spreading the payment out throughout the term of the remaining term. So instead of there being four years left on the contract, there's now eight years left in the buyout. And for the next subsequent eight years, the Canucks are going to be paying a and portion it's a fra- of that contract. And it's a, fra- yeah, it's a fraction of the cost. It's like something like 50 or 60. I don't remember what it is. Yeah, the percentages are all wacky because like this coming season, they're going to be paying $100,000 against the cap uh, for Larson. But then it goes up to $2 million, and it goes up to $4 million, and $4 million, and $2 million. And two. So it's kind of spread out in like a kind of a, the, the cap a, bell, a bell curve kind of way yeah. if you think about it that way. Right? The yeah. cap hit is. That cap hit, the cap hit is, yes, correct. The actual money is, for Vancouver, is not really an issue, I suppose. I don't think they're overly concerned with the actual dollars and cents that they're paying them because, I mean... Well, they're saving they about twenty million dollars, right? They willingly agreed to do this, so it's not like they're saying, "Oh shit, we shouldn't do this." They're, it's actually an even amount of cost that they're paying. So it's two point one million dollars a year for the next one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. I was right, eight years. So they're gonna be paying him until twenty thirty one. You think Bobby Bonilla almost? <laughs> I like this is what anytime I see a bio, I always feel like. Can some like NHL team pay me two million dollars to not play hockey? Because I'm okay with that deal. To be honest, <laughs> here's the here's the thing though. They traded Louis Erickson a terrible for OEL because they wanted to get out from under Louis Erickson's contract. Which does anyone know how many years left were on Louis Erickson's contract? I imagine it's two. It's done, isn't it? One. There was yeah, one year left. <laughs> one or maybe two years left. Uh, and I believe is around five and a half million. Jimmy Benning, big dick swinging on some of those deals and signings, man. So now, because it was a, it was a trade, and originally it was from the Arizona Coyotes. Here's the interesting caveat that comes up in a buyout, and I didn't even know this. And oh, they, they recapture penalty back to the team that signed the deal. Exactly. So not only are the Vancouver Canucks on the hook for $2.1 million in actual cost, plus the, act- plus the beginning of the bell curve and the entirety of the bell curve, the Vancouver Canucks are on the hook for, the poor Arizona Coyotes all of a sudden are handed a bill of like, hey, guys, you're going to be paying him $2.9 million in the buyout as well for the next eight seasons. In addition to that, not only are you paying him, now they would have paid him anyways, like it was a retained amount that went in the trade. So it's not like they were not paying him to begin with. They were already paying him. But now they're paying him over eight years instead of paying him for the next four years. But it also now goes under their roster as a retained salary or as a buried retained salary, where the hell. So now they went from having three open spots to two open spots because the Vancouver Canucks decided to buy this man out. So... This has, I didn't even know this was the rule. And yeah. like I saw a tweet today from Cap Friendly who was kind of saying, I didn't know this was the rule either. They and they had to go it. to their website and change a whole bunch of things. They changed it in the last CBA because a lot of teams got pissed off saying, you know, why are we on the hook? We didn't sign this deal. So then they said, 
hey, to discourage some of these stupid contracts that some of these guys were getting, they were just like, if you trade him, be aware that you're and they he gets bought out that you're on the hook for it. It's part of the reason why teams are so hesitant to potentially trade for Carey Price's contract if he never plays again. No, I think that's why Montreal's hesitant to trade him. Or sorry, yeah, Montreal's hesitant to trade him because they know that if he never plays again, they trade him to a team. They can be like, oh, we'll buy him out. We don't give a shit. But then Montreal's on the hook for like the next 10 years. But right, here's the so thing. as it's currently set up, if each team has three slots they can use for retained salaries, if one of those guys are then bought out, you lose that option. So now you only have two retained salary spots. And this is important for Arizona because they're one of the teams that can say, hey, we don't give a shit about our team. Like, just <laughs> we'll retain a bit of salary to get rid of this guy. And to stay and, on the cap floor. Right. And they sometimes they need to bring in retained salary, exactly, to keep to get up to the cap floor because they're not the type of team to spend a lot of money. Here's the thing, though. I don't, if you're Arizona, I'm gladly paying the $2 million and the buyout slot to not pay Ekman Larson $8.5 million a year or whatever it was. Like, you're... Between the two franchises, Arizona got out squeaky clean compared to Vancouver. I saw people ripping and roasting Sid Sixero on Twitter because he tweeted when the deal went down when they traded Louis Erickson. I want to find I want to find the deal. Um, he was like, "If you don't like this deal, you're crazy" or something like that. And now everyone's like, Sid, like you're out of touch, bro. Like nobody liked that deal when it was made. Vancouver fans didn't like. Nobody liked the deal, and this is why they knew because Ekman Larson hadn't played a good game. He was hurt, and he hadn't played a good game of hockey for like three years. And and they could have just, so just waited looking. out the or they could have bought Louis Erickson out. Yes, they could. And they would have been at the same <laughs> date they are today. Yes. Because he played for two years. So they would have been at the same date they are today. Or they could have just let Louis Erickson play out his contract. Like, they've gained nothing. The Vancouver Canucks have taken 46 step ba steps back. And whoever's... Who, like, the man... Jim Benning? I think Jim Benning made that deal. Yeah. Like, if, if there's... they, they got to start sending executives to Rhode Island. Not just players. That guy needs to go... They need to have a Jim Benning Island. And that man needs to disappear. The, anyone who's involved in that Canucks administration that allowed this monstrosity to happen should never work for an NHL team ever again. Like, the hot dog guy could have been like, hey, don't do this. Like, somebody should have ran into the room. And I, an usher should have ushered Jim Benning out. Yeah. Jim just, Benning will, ne will never get another GM job again in the league. So Ever. when this broke, I just started looking through like all the the tweets to Cap Friendly. And shout out to Cap Friendly, man. These guys are doing the Lord's oh. work, trying to make heads and tails of this ridiculous uh, fake league that is the NHL's uh, CBA. But uh, a friend of the show, Adam Wild, <laughs> said to Cap Friendly, so I guess this affects the Senators should the Leafs buy out Matt Murray? Yep. And yeah. yes, it absolutely would. If the Maple Leafs were to buy out Matt Murray the Ottawa Senators would lose a retained salary slot for the next two years. Hang on. Hang on. I just want to... I'm going to break this down for you because I think this bears saying. So the Canucks acquired Oliver ekman Larson, and it was Jim Benning, Oliver ekman Larson, and Connor Garland. And Connor Garland's a useful player. 
mm-hmm. feisty 2025 goal scorer, in exchange for three draft picks, the number nine overall pick in 2021, a second round in 2022, a seventh round in 2023, Louis Erickson, Jay Beagle, and Antoine Roussel. Like Do you know Rousseau. who that number nine pick was? Twenty twenty one. Yep. And it was drafted by the Arizona Coyotes. Yep. Twenty twenty one. It's twenty twenty three now. Two years ago, by the Arizona Coyotes. Can you give I me a hint? Team Canada Junior Hero. Jordan Everly. No. <laughs> um. No, who Mark Andre it? Fleury. No. Dylan Gunter. Actually, he wasn't a hero. Dylan he Gunter. Dylan Gunter would have been a Canuck, and he's exactly what that team needs. He's a six foot two, incredible player. Another prospect snapped up by Arizona. And they they traded for Oliver Ekman Larson. I don't I don't I don't understand it. It's they're the Vancouver Canucks are the biggest fraud organization, I think, because they want to act like they're a big league organization, but they essentially do bush league type things. Like the some of the shit they do, I feel like would be in something like major league. Like this is Roger Dorn running this team, no? No, it was the the broad the the woman. I forget what her name was, but again. That, this was Jim Benning's quote when they acquired him. He'll be a top-pairing guy. He can play a lot of minutes. PPPK can be a matchup guy playing against other teams' top lines. He's going to be a good mentor for our young player. None of those things happen. He's a real good skater, smart player. I, 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 Ekman Larson's I, last year with the Coyotes, he scored 24 points in 46 games and was a minus 17. Now, the minus 17, is he's on the Arizona, so whatever. Yeah, but... First year with the Canucks, he played almost a full season, 79 games, 29 points. Not good. Not great. I mean, for, for $8 million. Defensemen, defensemen don't necessarily score a ton of points, right? Like you're, you're kind of hoping for a guy who's anywhere from a half point a game to maybe 75% of a point of a game, right? Sir. But this is, sir. If you're getting paid uh, $8 million, that's sir. a minimum 55 points as a defenseman. Sir, Louis Erickson's last two years... In uh-huh. the NHL, the cap hit was only six million dollars, and the contract ended twenty one twenty two. So it wouldn't have even mattered last season. Like he, they would have been out from under it a year previous to this buyout. And last season, Oliver Ekman Larson played fifty four games, so a little over half the season. Uh, two goals, twenty assists, twenty two points, and a, a wonderful, sparkling minus. 24. I wouldn't force trade that in NHL. I wouldn't I I wouldn't a GM I would never do that. Be a GM? They should Jim Benning should be sentenced to 3 full days playing be a GM in NHL to figure out how to do his fucking job cuz this is embarrassing. I got a question. Would you do OEL for like 1.5 million? No. Thank you. Thank you. Actually, I, I, that's a very good point. I don't and care what Shane Doan says. I'm no. so glad you said that. Because, think, okay, okay, because someone who also scored a similar amount of points, two goals, but 16 assists, so four less assists Justin in Holt. the season, played all 80 games, 
or excuse me, 82, <laughs> he played 80 of 82 games. Okay. This particular player, I think, made 2 million bucks this past season. Do you Just want no. mystery guy? Hold on. Do you want mystery <laughs> guy who scored 18 points for, for 2 million bucks? Or do you want Oliver Ekman Larson at, let's even say Oliver Ekman Larson signs for 2 million bucks? Which guy do you want? Both 31 years old. Well, I can tell you the mystery guy is a right-handed shot. Ekman Larson is a right-handed shot. shot. <laughs> so again, another, another thing against Ekman Larson is that he's vanilla in this league. It's, it's the just, funny thing is, he'll, he'll go to Tampa for $2 million and have a Norris caliber season. Dude, they've, the Leafs have had some atrocious fucking trades. Atrocious. Nothing. Not Raycroft bad. for the rights to Rask. Tom Curvers for the pick that ended up being Scott Niedemeyer. The Wendell Clark trade Roberto with the Longo. pick to the Islanders for Roberto Longo. Yeah. The, the Phil Kessel for Dougie Hamilton and Tyler Sagan atrocious trades none of them I, I, have I the, that... the implications and, and have the atrocities committed against the franchise as much as this has this handcuffs like I, we thought the wild when the wild bought out uh, Parise and Suter we thought they were going to be no this is the this is Jim Benning dicked this franchise there's the proper use of the term dicked as we are coming into the summer, and today is not a great example because we have a lot on our list today, but we're going to probably, potentially, need to revisit the segment top five. I want to suggest a potential top five that we discuss. The top five worst Maple Leafs trades of all time. That's gonna because be I think we can all come up with five and that would be, be different. different and we could all be right. <laughs> the, one, the one I would say is like the Raycroft for Rask thing. Like you can't, if, if Rask was their only prospect, yes, that's a terrible trade, but they had you have Pogge. Justin Pogge. They had Pogge. And, and, and you never and Raycroft thought was a call, Raycroft was a Calder winner. Right. And you never predicted that Pogge was going to flame out as bad as he did. Like he dominated that junior tournament, and that's Didn't he your, have like one goal against. He had one goal against in that entire tournament. It would have made more sense though if you traded one of those goaltending prospects for like a forward. Yeah. Like, why are you trading a goaltending prospect that's already in a year for a goaltender who is playing in the NHL right now? Because you had two blue chip goaltending prospects already. Okay. They just bet on the wrong but, one. I get that, but like I just don't. But but by by that logic, shouldn't Pogi have then taken the job from Raycroft like a year later? So what are you doing? Why yeah. wouldn't you just traded Rask for like because, def- some help in, on defense, just some help up front? Because a lot of the time, well, because the team at that point wasn't inherently terrible. Um, that was the beginning of the downturn of them, and also too is is goalies tend to mature a little bit later than the rest of the positions. So you probably don't want Pogi starting at 22 and you have Raycroft say for five years. And then Pogi comes in at 25, 26. He's seasoned. He's played a little bit. He's back. You know, I, I get the logic of that. I don't Canada hasn't produced a fucking goaltender in about 30 years. Like Canada hasn't produced a top tier goaltender since Carey price. So if you're yeah. putting a Finnish goaltender in front of me and a Canadian goaltender, in front, I'm taking the Finn all day. Right, but at that it's, time, you're not. It's it's a different mindset at that time. 
Anyways, we can revisit this later. I actually don't even think that's the worst trade. And I think that's what you guys are driving at. That's not the worst trade. But there's some really bad trades in the history of the Maple Leafs organization. It might be fun to go over it one day. But speaking of trades, there was a big one in the NBA. Quite Is it final? A large one. I don't know if it's officially final at this given moment as a recording. There's a lot of still breaking about this trade. So... I can't tell you for 100% certainty this is exactly how it's going down, but I'm on CBS's CBS Sports website, and Jack yeah. Maloney, as of five hours ago, is reporting the following. The Phoenix Suns are going to receive Bradley Beal, and I don't care who else, but the headline <laughs> is Bradley Beal. They're also going to get Jordan uh, Goodwin and Isaiah Todd. Going the other way to the Wizards, Chris Paul. Landry, is it Shamit? That's how you say that, right? Shamit, yeah. I was like, every time I see a name like that, I always feel like my French needs to come out, like Shamit. But Shamit, of course. Uh, multiple second round picks and multiple picks are going to be swapped as well. That, the headline here for this trade is that it's going to be Beal plus things for Paul and things. And ultimately, the Phoenix Suns have probably... <laughs> I'm assuming this, but I, I feel like this is actually what's happening. The Phoenix Suns are just saying, okay, fine, KD. We'll get you a super team because that's <laughs> what you have to have. And every team that you're on has to be a super team. So fine, Kevin Durant. We will make you a super team. So here, here's Bradley Beal. And you and Booker can play with him and not win an NBA championship like you never do. I shouldn't say never do. Kevin Durant's won two NBA championships. But, okay, obviously a very big trade in the NBA, and we'll get to that in a second. But I, do you think this inherently changes the dynamic of what we look at or what we talk about when we talk about Kevin Durant? Because if you think about it, when he's in Golden State, it, he had a super team there. Right, it was him and Steph Curry and Clay Thompson and Draymond. When he's in Oklahoma City, it was him and Westbrook and Harden. When he was in Brooklyn, it was him and Harden and Kyrie. And it reminds me of like a couple. I want to say a couple weeks ago, maybe it was last week or so, during the M or the NHL Stanley Cup Finals, Charles Barkley was on the panel. And he was talking about how much he loves hockey and how much he respects the, the players and that they are all fighting for the Stanley Cup. They don't care about anything else. They just want a Stanley Cup. And he was saying, man, in the NBA, everyone just wants to make a super team. In the NHL, you guys just want the Stanley Cup. Is that the legacy we're going to think of with Kevin Durant? Yep. Do you think Kevin Durant can win an NBA championship nope. as the guy or he needs it's, to be? It's too late. He's 36. Uh, that's a good question. Kevin Durant is 34. 34. It's still too late. He, he, he's forever going to be, be 35 the guy, by the time the season starts. He's going to forever be the guy that is known that it couldn't get it done on his own. Yeah. And I think, yeah, I mean, they said, I don't know. Was it Barkley that said it? Or I forget who said it. He's a, he's not a bus driver, right? He's, he's just not. And, you know, it's weird to be considered one of the greatest scoring threats of all time, yet not a bus driver. I mean, ironically, it happens in the NHL a lot. A lot of the greatest goal scorers in the NHL were never... Phil Kessel. 
when I, yeah, right? Like, well, I wouldn't call him a greatest goal scorer in the NHL. He was a yeah. good goal scorer, but um, not one of the greatest. I mean, you look at a guy like Brett Hall. Never, Alba, right? Yeah, never, never drove the bus, right? They were ancillary pieces. I mean, Burray to a lesser extent than a guy like Hall. What about Timo Solani? Yeah, never drove the bus. Like, right? excellent goal scorer, right? But he was never a, a Stanley Cup guy until he signed a like a, a one-year, one-million-dollar contract to play with the Ducks. Right. So it's it's very odd to, to see that in the NBA because usually, because there's less guys on a team, blah, blah, blah. I don't know, man. It's it's weird. I, I was listening to a couple shows today, and they were talking about how the Heat should have been on should have been on on Beal because of the things that the Heat need. Like the the Suns didn't need Beal. You're right. They they have him to to build this concept of a super team, and it's getting kind of tired. Like I'm I'm tired. It was great to watch the Nuggets win a championship not as a super team they have great fucking players that play really well together and that's and they drafted them all and it's amazing to to watch that as opposed to you know even the heat like the heat aren't a super team 90 percent of those guys are drafted jimmy butler was the only guy they brought in so you know i, I don't know I'm, I'm done with watching that garbage i don't care like it, does this make me want to watch the Suns anymore? No. It makes me want to watch them less, if anything. It's which sucks because you kind of you like Devin Booker. Like I, I don't mind Devin. Devin Actually, you know what? I liked it until he shit talked Luca, and then Luca gave it to him. So I'm on yeah, team. Right. I'm on team Lulu. Um. Uh, I don't know. It's again. I think you're right. It they they paid. They're they're not going to win a title. It's not. They, there's not enough there to get them past Denver. We, you gonna Durant's not going to contain or stop Jokic. Beal's not going to contain or stop Jokic. DeAndre Ayton can't stop Jokic or contain him. I think Bismack Biombo can. <laughs> but there's nobody. There's nobody who's gonna. Who, who's gonna take that like Draymond Green couldn't so so what do you get like what are you, are you just hoping that he goes down I don't know man it, it's you're right it seems like a move where Durant was like get that guy <laughs> go and get that guy kind of like LeBron does and then they end up barely making it in yeah I mean but I think to I think to an extent LeBron knows that I mean, but eh, never mind. I was gonna say LeBron is also without a, it. It's not true. Well, has. Cavaliers, well, I mean, that Cavaliers team, uh, Kevin Love and Kyrie. I mean, that's that's not a power. I, would, I wouldn't call that a power team. No, that's not that's team. not a super team in any <laughs> stretch of the imagination. LeBron James, I think that year when he went to Cleveland and won the NBA championship, put the rest. And the, he and he the, beat the Golden State Warriors three to one. He came yeah, back, and, and that was all, actually that was actually on this day. By the way, we're recording. Okay. Mm-hmm. All that noise of him building the super team in Miami, that went away when he went to Cleveland and won a championship in Cleveland. Now, the the championship in LA, the LA championship. I mean, COVID championship, but not a super team. Not a super team, and I, the, that one, I, I think, 
deserves an asterisk only because it's the COVID bubble year and it was just a wacky year. But he's still an NBA championship. I'm not going to take anything away, away from the guy. I'm just saying that's a weird situation. I don't think we should be talking about Kevin Durant in the same breath as LeBron James. I don't think there's... I mean, a, other than... He gets Yoke. a lot of credit. He gets a lot of weird... Like I said, he's... Can, like, you hear on every talk show, basketball, whatever, they're like, greatest scoring threat. One of the greatest scoring... I just... I don't know, man. I mean, a lot of people say, well, the Golden... They would have had another championship if he didn't get injured. And, you know, maybe if he didn't skip leg day, he wouldn't get injured so, <laughs> so much. You know, it, the guy looks like toothpicks on baby marshmallows. I don't know... I don't know what you expect. Like, obviously, that man's going to get injured. So, I, I don't he know. He just gets a lot of weird... There's a lot of weird love for Kevin Durant amongst NBA loyalists and like NBA fandom, and I just don't get it. Durant hasn't played a full season since 2014-2015. Actually, yeah. Sorry, 2013-2014. He played 81 games. Now, some of that might be load management because he had a 72 game season in 62 and 68 78 but even just in brooklyn 35 games 55 games 39 games and then eight games for phoenix what did he uh what were her point averages across the last five years uh 26 29 29 26 so he's sold obscenely high numbers for can point you do averages. a favor but can you look up damian okay. lillard's Please hold. Because I'm on. just saying, like, when we talk about scoring threats in the NBA and, you know, if you're going to call this guy the greatest scoring threat and he just, you know, he underperforms compared to the, you know, the field. Uh, like, Lillard over the past five years, 32 points a game, 24 points a game, 28, 30. So comparable all hovering around the 30 mark in the past five years. Yeah, and Lillard's a point guard. Yep. Argue but it's still incredible. Like, if you're, if you're an NBA player averaging 30 points a game, well, you're that's an all that's, that's harder to accomplish as a point guard because you're, you're also a distributor. You're not, you're not doing catch and shoots and, and taking the, like, you're carrying the ball up the floor. Durant doesn't carry the ball up the floor. So, I don't know. It's, it's, a, it's a weird, I don't know, it's a weird deal. I, I, I get weird feelings about it. I think this is going to crash and burn like Brooklyn. Can't wait. <laughs> I can't wait to see it. Uh, anything else on Bradley Beal? I know we spent most of that on Kevin Durant, but... Good luck we to have, you. Yeah, good luck to them. We wish you all the best of luck with that uh, super team you're trying to build over there. And someone who we don't wish any luck to is uh, a reoccurring character on this show. And he is a character. John Morant has been suspended by the NBA for 25 games. Uh, this past Friday is when he got suspended. Um, get, for guess what, guys? Guess what he did? Well, this was the second instance of waving the gun. On Instagram. Another, another gun incident. And how many times has this fucking guy <laughs> done this? And then said, "You know what? I have, I have something to work on. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna I apologize. And I'm gonna make myself better. Or whatever. Uh, I'm like, I'm just reading the TMZ article, who is uh, written by someone at TMZ. There's no name attached to this. Okay, great. Well, <laughs> TMZ Sports, TMZ um, staff writer. 
staff yeah staff writer teams esports there's a quote here from john morant saying uh he vows to be a better man than what i've shown you right all right buddy whatever you say that's a low bar that i don't even think he's really See you in january right now <laughs> that's a good point that's a that's a very good point maddie <laughs> that he's not saying anything specific he's just saying i'm gonna be a better man than what i've showed you so far and yeah. he showed us like can you divide low. by zero yeah yeah like dude it's like all you have to do is go one week without posting a video of you waving a gun and you've already hit that benchmark. It's not hard. I don't, I don't get it. Like, well, so we've talked about it. We've talked about ad nauseum on this show. Like he's not doing anything illegal. There's nothing wrong with what he's doing in a sense that he can't get arrested for it. It's the United States. Everyone has a gun because they all have small penises. So <laughs> but you're I representing understand. a brand and you're representing. I, I know. Uh-huh. Yeah. I'm just I saying think, like, it's it's nothing yeah, Ken- entirely illegal. Yeah, Kendrick Perkins was on first take a couple days ago, and he was talking to Jay Williams, and he kept saying that Yah ja needs to get out of. I almost call him Yah, like he's from Sweden. Yah needs to get out of Memphis because he kept saying he's in too deep, and I don't know what that means. And he kept mm. telling Jay Will, he's like, "You need to read between what I'm saying," and he's in too deep. No, I, did you see that? That's clip? a good point. I didn't, but the way you said that now, like, maybe that's part of it. Like, young African-American man making shit tons of money in a state that has a lot of goings on, like Memphis, Tennessee, Nashville. Like, it's a very, it's a very happening state. Uh, I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to claim to know what it is, but there's a lot of things you can get involved in and tempted to. You know, we've seen in sports gambling, you know, throughout history in basketball gambling has been an issue you know michael jordan was the one of the biggest gamblers of in all of history maddie knows all about that michael jordan gambled almost gambled his life away mm-hmm. it's uh well, that, golf course, that's why he conveniently had to go play baseball for like a year and a half <laughs> it's um you know they 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 went back and forth between do you get a vet in there to to babysit him and then set him straight or does he need to leave Memphis and Kendrick kept saying he's got to leave Memphis and Jay will was like no you get a guy like Draymond in there which is the rumor is that Draymond could go to to Memphis you know which would be a guy to set him straight but I don't know I think it goes beyond that and and that's what Jay will was saying is that at the end of the day if that's like if that's who you are and who you're acting are as a person it's not going to matter where you go like you have to you have to change your like it's nobody else's fault but you and I think even if he's involved in some weird shit, that's also on him. Right? You make those choices. You end up in the situations you end up in by the choices you make. So 98% of the time. So I don't, I don't know. I don't, if, if Perk is onto something that we, you know, we can't talk about, whatever, it, it, does that suck? Yeah. Do I have oodles of sympathy? Fuck no. Oh no! I, I have don't. absolutely no sympathy at this point. Because how many times on this show have we Jack Johnson when he went bankrupt because he was gambling and probably like I don't know I don't know if he did drugs or the defenseman the Kings. No, oh, what yeah, happened? Was he Jack went Johnson. bankrupt because his parents stole his money and there was money managers. Oh, so I'm thinking of somebody else. Well, I don't know if they stole his money because he had to have like willingly signed it to them. They just blew all his money. Yeah. There was somebody else but, that that was yeah. like horrible at gambling in the uh, 
I think Robin Le- right Robin Leonard started a snake farm, declared bankruptcy. <laughs> so yeah, you know that's a poor choice, snake farm. But it's it's just, I mean, is it sad? Yes, but again, plenty of other guys in the NBA that don't end up in that position, and that's on you. Here's the thing: it happens the first time. Maybe you say, "Ah, oh, shoot." I shouldn't have done that. Even if you're not sorry, you should have learned something of like, I don't know, put the phones away. Maybe I don't do this in certain situations. Maybe I change the people I'm hanging out with. Maybe I tell everybody to not film me when I'm doing something stupid. And you, if you did film me, maybe we don't go live with stuff. Maybe that needed to be the answer. Stop fucking going live. Like, you need to like... See no, everything that you are posting and like skim it over before you officially post it. Fuck that. Anything before Instagram. Anything you should not be allowed to post anything. Your agent will post for you. Send all the pictures and videos and shit that you want to post on your feed. Send them right to your agent, and your agent will then go through it and send it for you because you clearly can't make adult decisions. But then it happens a second time, and again you have to come out and you have to make a statement. And the Grizzlies have to make a statement. And then you do it a third time. And then you do it a fourth time. I'm not looking for this man to change his life. I don't give a fuck about this guy, to be honest with you. I don't care what he does. But you can't keep doing the same thing and expect that everything's going to be fine. You, You need to take responsibility for your stupidity. Agreed. Well, 25 games is that's no it's no slouch, well, man. He's also that 25 game suspension now pulls him out of the potential of being first team all star, which then costs him part of his bonus in his contract. That he can't get max money. Yep. So, so, and other thing too is, dude, the penalty to him isn't just financially the game, whatever. The Memphis Grizzlies count on John Morant being the number one option to score on that team. So when you come back into that locker room, there's going to be guys who are trying for an NBA championship, who want to win games, who want to get bonuses, who want to improve your year. And there you're going to get in that locker room and they're going to be doing this. And I just going to be staring like at you Jake... like, what the yeah. fuck, man? It's when Jamie Tart came back to the Greyhounds. So the, I, I know like, we kind of belabor this sometimes, like just the comparison between other sports. But could you imagine trying pulling this kind of shit in a hockey room? Like it is the ultimate sport of you put the crest on front before the name on the back. And that's like we just talked about it with Vegas winning the cup. That That's all those guys drive for. And, the, you know, and Jack Eichel put it the best. He's like, it hurts to win for the level of sacrifice that they put on. Could you imagine pulling that shit? For and getting like a couple times and getting yourself suspended for 25 games and you're the star player and walking into that room after 25 games and saying, all right, guys, suit up, ready to go. Right. Like, so you understand, like, this, this isn't about you. Yeah. Like, it's about the team. It's about the city. It's about, yeah. like, I don't know. Some guys just don't get it. And they said the same thing you said a while ago. Or maybe it was Maddie or the first time around. They were saying, why doesn't this man just hire security? Do you have enough money? 24-7 security. 
it was either one of us. I know I said something like you have to know like the people you surround yourself with, like surround yourself with better people. Well, the security, I don't think is the issue. Like, I don't think he's holding a gun for protection. Well, that's what, again, if what Kendrick Perkins is implying, that's what he is. Uh, well, I don't know. But then if I, you're holding it for protection, it's also not a, it's also not a prop to be used on Instagram or TikTok. Right. So uh, it's just I almost feel like it's it's a fashion statement, right? Like it's it's an accessory that you're wearing. Dude, Vladdy got told real quick. You remember Vladdy in his big pose for Instagram? I don't remember this. You don't remember Vladdy Vladimir Guerrero Jr. did that picture where he was holding up his shirt just after he lost all the weight and he had a gun and everyone was like, fucking fix that. And he took that picture down real fucking quick, and you never heard about that again. Well, it's the internet; it's up there. Oh yeah, for sure, it's there. <laughs> but like, what I'm saying is, it was never talked about because the idiot didn't go and post another picture of himself with a gun in his crotch. And again, and again, and again, and again, right? So that's kind of the the issue with John Morant is it just keeps happening. And well, after 25 games, we'll see if it continues to happen. My bet is that it will. <laughs> and my bet is that this is not the last time on this show we're going to be talking about John Morant. I am willing to guarantee that. <laughs> I am also willing to guarantee that regardless of how many fans uh, decide to show up at an Oakland A's game, it's not going to change a damn thing. The Oakland A's are moving to Las Vegas. And... I know there's a lot of conversation about this last week and I just want to, I want to see, here's the thing. Is it a chicken and the egg situation where the fans never went to the games because the team sucked or does the team suck because the fans never went to the games and the fans didn't go to the games the, teams didn't make, the team didn't make any money. The team didn't spend, wasn't able to spend any money they didn't have to make the team better. That's a possibility. It's also possible that the team has some money and decided not to spend any of it. And they've put a terrible team on the field year in and year out and year in and year out. And because of that, the fans have said, well, I don't want to go. So it's it's hard to play the the it's, it's almost like those Spider-Man's pointing at each other and saying like who's the problem here and everyone's mm-hmm. pointing at everyone when realistically you're probably all the problem and it's probably just that the market doesn't work. There's a number of factors of as to why the Oakland Athletics didn't work. Of course, because ownership didn't want to spend any money. That's got to be number 1. The Oakland A's I don't I don't have the actual numbers in front of me, but I'm fairly certain they're Payroll has never really been over like $39 million. There's players, individual players in Major League Baseball who make more money than the Oakland A's are spending on their entire roster. (laughs) That needs to change. If you want to be a competitive baseball team, I'm not saying you have to spend $250 million like you're the LA Dodgers, but you have to spend more than $39 million. But, 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 But your best friend Billy Bean said, no, you don't have to. And but, Billy Bean uh, never won a championship. <laughs> but also, right? you gotta you gotta stop trading away your prospects, right? Like every time a player made it to the well, big, they can't and afford had, them. But they could. 
No, they well, they they can't. They don't have any revenue coming in to. But that's, that's the thing. The thing. Like, you got to lose money to make money. You got to well, build as an sure. investment, right? And that's and you have you have Chapman, Donaldson, what's his name that just went to the well, Sonny Gray. So the guy who just went to the Braves. Matt um Olson? Oh, Matt Olson. Yeah, like there's there's a there's a decent core there. <laughs> but that's the thing with the A's where you get to a point where you're due for a free agency contract or you're coming close to it and they know you're going to command $25 million on the open market. They have to the pirates, the pirates are the same, right? So where's the, what's the difference then between the pirates and not that the pirates have won anything anyways, but there's saturation. I I think the entertainment saturation in California is just too much. Like what the fuck is there to do in Pittsburgh? There's actually just not even that many people in Pittsburgh anyways, though, right? Like, what's the population of Pittsburgh? Like, 400,000 people. But is it also that Oakland isn't exactly a desirable place in the world, right? No, it's not it's the not nicest the safest. place. Yeah, and but how- you can... In the state of California, you have multiple Disney World. You have Disney World, Universal, you have... Yeah, but that's... Like, it's not... Disneyland to Oakland is not like a, a hop, skip, and a jump. That's like a four-hour no. drive. Still... But you're 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 competing with multiple different sports teams. You're competing with, you know, multi multiple different avenues of entertainment. That dude, if the Raiders couldn't make it, then the Athletics will have a chance. Yeah, I think it's also so. I I I agree with you in a sense that like, if you look at where the Oakland Athletics play and where the San Francisco 40 or 49ers, the San Francisco Giants play, like that's very close, right? right. Like that's a 23 minute drive across the bridge. Yeah, yeah. but that's, and then so you have the 49ers, and then how the far Giants. is it to San Diego? Oh, very far. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I've very never far. been. I have actually. It's very, it's very nice. San Diego, probably my favorite ballpark thus far. So, but, did you talk about the reverse? thing the like the yeah so I, yeah, I guess i never really uh framed exactly what happened there so the fans decided to show up to a game as their protest and it was a cool sight to see so i will i will say that it, it was interesting television in that they did the first ever fan giveaway so there was a group of fans that printed like seven thousand t-shirts that said sell on it and they handed them out to all the fans that went to the game uh, they ended up getting like 20 something thousand people attend that ball game, which is probably about 10 times as many people that normally go to an Oakland A's game, which sounds like a joke, but it's not. They normally get only a couple thousand people at these games. And it was cool because they were just silent. Like silent at times. And then at other times they would just start into a chant sell the team sell the team and what they're saying is they want ownership to sell the team to someone who's going to keep it in oakland that's a tough sell (laughs) i don't know anyone who's like hell yeah i'll buy that team and put them in the coliseum i mean call it ricky henderson field all you want it's it's the coliseum and it's uh, a toilet i remember seeing a whole bunch of proposals of a new potential ballpark in oakland and it looked gorgeous yeah. And that it was a plan to 
keep the building there. And I was thinking, man, that could be really cool. And they showed off like this gondola system, kind of like what they have in Disney World, where you can just travel between park to park. But like it would take you from a train station right to the ballpark. And I'm like, this is this is brilliant. This is exactly what they need. Like if you if your issue with the current situation is that the ballpark sucks, well, here's a brand new one. It's a, a world-class facility that is going to attract free agents. And transportation shouldn't be an issue based on where it was. And it was a great location on the water. But the city said no. And the city didn't want to pay for it. Now, sometimes you get a maniac like Jerry Jones who says, sure, I will build a football stadium for $2 billion and I don't care because I wipe my ass with $2 billion. But in a situation with the Oakland A's who don't have that kind of money, you need to have city approval and city help financially for these sort of projects. And if the city is refusing to help pay for it and the fans aren't going to the games and ownership's not putting a competitive team on the field, who wants this team here? Does the city, the league, the ownership, or the fans, do any of those four actually want this team? That's why I hate these like stupid reverse boycotts. Like, if this is what you're doing now, so you want them to sell the team to someone who's going to keep them in Oakland so you can still not show up and sit at home and be like, this is my, right. it's fucking stupid. No, get the so team out still, of there. Exactly. Dude, so <laughs> someone else can on. buy it so I can still sit at home. So I want to, I, I think you know the quote, Dustin, Matty doesn't. Is Rob Manfred the worst executive in pro sports? I kind of love this quote, but I don't know okay. if he's the worst because Gary Matty, have you read this? Have you heard this? No. Okay. So, um after the reverse boycott this was the quote by rob manfred the commissioner uh, of major league baseball it was great manfred said of the reverse boycott held last week by a fans it's great to see what is this year almost an average major league baseball crowd in the facility for one night that's a great thing (laughs) just a complete troll quote love it wipe yourself off man you dead he just murdered the entire city of Oakland with that one quote. Oh, yeah. Like, it, it goes back to the point of what I just said. It's like they want them to sell a team to someone who's going to keep them there so they can still sit at home and say, this is my team. Our city has a team. There is another quote from Manfred from that. Like, this guy was on fire in this press conference. And when he was uh, you know, just sharing his thoughts on the whole situation and talking about the fans, he said, I hear from him. I feel sorry for the fans in Oakland. I do not like this outcome. I understand why they feel the way they do. I think the real question is, what is it Oakland was prepared to do? There is no Oakland offer, okay? They never got to a point where they had a plan to build a stadium at any site. And it's not just John Fisher. The community has never provided support. At some point, you come to realize it's just not going to happen. Uh, you know, and I then, take that back. Uh, Gary Bettman's the worst executive in pro so, sports because you could just replace that with Phoenix. Right. So <laughs> I, I, quote, I quote retweeted that and said, why can't the league just buy the team and then sell it to someone who's willing to keep it in Oakland and then have the A's play in a 4,000-seat college ballpark? Oh, because that would be fucking stupid? Okay. Yeah. Right. If you replace, you could just replace Oakland with Phoenix, and it's the same story. Only the NHL's just atrophied into keeping it there. 
only one league is a real league and they're saying we're going to move this to a market that actually wants it is going to support it whereas the other league is saying ah no one gives a shit about our league anyways and we'll just <laughs> put the team in front of no fans and in a joke of a building where they have a fucking pipe and drape locker room and that's just okay it's like Ontario that's the real thing that happened i'm not even Ontario. making that shit up that's the thing that happened this season yeah Ontario pipe wrestling. and drape locker room it was yeah. a, it was an ontario indie wrestling locker room for a professional hockey game it is what it is god we should be more mad about that than we actually are <laughs> so bad oh gary batman just what a guy um how about something that we actually enjoyed was watching the U.S. Open this past weekend? I loved it. So I really actually good. watched a bit of golf this weekend. It was really good. It was good. And at the beginning of Sunday, first of all, I think all golf tournaments should be played on the uh, West Coast. While I do enjoy, I usually only watch golf on like the last day of the tournament. I don't watch it all weekend. And it is fun sometimes to watch it like on a Sunday afternoon. But man, primetime golf on Sunday night was way better than it's so chill. About you guys. It's so chill. Like you can chill out. You can, you know, have your dinner, relax. You're, it's not like you're watching something that's so high octane as you're getting ready to go to bed. You just kind of ease into the night and watch yeah. some golf. It's nice. And especially Sundays in the summer, like there's so much going on, right? And of course, this past Sunday was Father's Day and everyone had stuff going on you're with your family. You have a cookout. For us, it was tandoori chicken. Fantastic. And then when all that's ended, put on the TV. Like, oh, we still have five more holes to go. Fantastic. And it's a tight, it's a tight race. At the beginning of the day on Sunday, I put 10 bucks on Rory McIlroy to uh, win the whole thing. And of course, he didn't because it was my fault, I think. So I'm sorry for Rory and everyone else who was rooting on Rory McIlroy. It is my fault for betting a very small amount of money on him to win that tournament. But it was actually a joy to watch honestly it was competitive and there was at no point where it felt like clark was going to lose it which is unfortunate for me for who bet on rory but it just seemed like he was just motoring ahead and it as someone who very rarely plays golf it's incredible to me to watch these guys and see like it's almost automatic especially with the top guy at the top of the leaderboard where it's, I'm going to drive and it's going to hit the fairway. I'm going to hit my next uh, iron and I'm going to put it in regulation and off we go. And every time, like bogeys were few and far between. Birdies were too, but still it was just, these guys are one after the other, just par, 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 par. I'm like, this is... Or oh, par, 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 or eagle. A lot of guys are eagling. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Well, there was a couple very easy holes on this course this week and or this tournament um i was kind of upset about 18 honestly like how huge that fairway was to where like it looked like clark like pulled the shit out of that 18 of his drive on 18 and it was still nope on the fairway yeah. <laughs> like okay, i feel I'll... bad for ricky fowler <laughs> i mean yeah he was in their prime to win his first major and you know that Collapsed. guy the collide that guy puts in work and i kind of feel bad for rory too i mean he hasn't won a major since 2014 so you know but you know props to Wyndham clark getting yeah, that u.s sure. open chip but like that and you know what the cool thing about this tournament is the leaderboard was packed with just quality golfers whether you know i'm, I'm a tommy fleetwood guy 
Loved watching. I love watching him play. That that was great. Yeah, Fleetwood shot a sixty three on the last day, right? Yeah, and then like, there's um, who else was that? Scheffler and Shoffley were up there. Like it was a great leaderboard, and that, that's what you want to see out of a U.S. Open. You want to see competitive golf, nice low scores, guys sinking putts. You know, Tommy Fleetwood sunk a long putt for eagle uh, on Sunday. I forget oh, which yeah, hole it was. After watching Nick Taylor do it the week before, he might as well have done it. Yeah, he took a cue from Nick Taylor. So, yeah, I mean, it, it, I think in a weird way, I think all the noise about Liv and PJ and this and that, I think it's actually in a weird like any publicity is good publicity. And I think golf is coming more into mainstream fandom. I think younger people are getting into golf, which is great. And we'll see what happens with the PGA and, and the live, you know, the UFC WWE style merger between the two of them. Um, you know, I, I think having energy in golf, I think having these packed leaderboards, I think the parody between, you know, I mean the, the era of tiger and, and VJ and, and those guys going was great, but it felt like, and Phil, but it felt like there was like only three or four of them in any week in golf. There's one of 20 dudes, who could walk away with it and it's great i love it yeah well this also is a good primer leading up in a few weeks to the open playing at royal liverpool liverpool so it's gonna be um it's it's it is it's good to see different guys you know it was nice to have gone through the whole tiger era and just see that dude absolutely mop the floor with like a stretch of like 15 years it was as Dustin said, automatic for Tiger. But now we're in an era where it's just there's obviously you have like your top three or four guys that are consistently in the top five or finishing in the top, you know, one, two, three, four, you know, the big tournaments in the majors. But, you know, it's not like these back in the day where these second and third tier guys are just completely out of it and finishing, you know, 25th, 26th. It's, you know, there's a couple of these guys that can go on good runs and, you know, make their shots, make their, you know, their putts and, and, and be there. And that's what Wyndham Clark did. So, um, the thing is those links courses in the open, that's a different monster though. Right. So like with the wind conditions and the fairway or the rough conditions and the, those, Dude, bunkers, those, man. those roughs were so soft and deep. It was, uh, every time a ball, it just sank. Yeah. Yeah, that was crazy. Like, how many times we saw a ball just, like, disappear? <laughs> like, whoa. <laughs> like, wait, I didn't think it was that deep. <laughs> you you want to see some rough, though. Just wait. Wait till that open championship. It's It goes fairway to... It's essentially all, all fairway or fescue. Yeah. Is it the same place they play the open every year as somewhere else? No, they play it no. somewhere else every year. Um, okay. Actually, I think last year was the last year they're ever going to do it at St. Andrews. Yeah, I just remember ever. one year at the Open where they had like those bunkers that would look like it was nine feet deep. That's all links courses in Scotland, England. Mm. So all of Open Tour courses that they play for the Open Championship have those bunkers. Um, the, yeah, they're like it's like a it's a bowl. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The yeah, shot to get a- out of that though is almost in some instances is easier than a regular bunker shot because you know all you have to do is do a high flop down and in and you're on the green where regular bunker shots you miss hit it you're running and chasing right over so some guys actually prefer it 
But um, I mean, it, it's also deceiving because you can't see the bunkers really from the tee box all the time. Like yeah, you can on, yeah, it's just a bowl. Like I said, it's flat in off the fairway, so you don't really see it. So, but no, the U.S. Open was good. Um, yeah, like I said, you got to feel for Ricky, dude from California who probably grew up playing this course a fair bit. Um, you know, and right there and just shoots five over on, you know, and yeah, and same with Rory. You want to see him do well, but I mean, that's golf. James, you had something to add to the wrestling portion of the show, which I guess we can get to now. I don't remember what it was, though. Just real quick. We were talking about AEW Collision. Yeah, it was the ESPN article. Because I remember we had the whole thing about CM Punk and right or wrong, elite, whatever. You know, the the more that you hear... And Punk had an article in ESPN where he basically talked a lot about it, and everyone thought it was going to be this big um gut punch and like revelation uh-huh. whatever it didn't really feel like that what it felt like is exactly kind of what we posited and i don't know if it's corroborated what we had surmised but something like by the sounds of it punk you know and if, for those who don't know there was an altercation about a year ago um between cm punk and a group of guys the elite bucks kenny omega who are also vice presidents executive vice presidents of the company they actually fought after a show but in the article, Punk said he's tried to bury the hatchet, he's tried to talk to people, and he just gets hit with lawyers saying, you can't talk to these people. And he's apologized to Tony Khan, and he's, you know, tried to, he's even said, let's turn this into money and, and do a program out of it. And apparently he's been told, no, it's never going to happen. So it just seems really odd. You know, it, it seems, you know, odd that, you know, the, the whole reason they went after Punk was because apparently he had Colt fired. Apparently Colt was reassigned to work Ring of Honor. Like, none of this, none of the, the odd thing is, none of this adds up for the elite. It almost seems like everything that Punk has been saying, or I shouldn't say, hold on, let me rephrase that. Because Punk hadn't actually said anything. Everything that we assumed was Punk's side of the story has turned out to be the actual factual thing or at least what and punk is saying is his side of the story that's like that's what everything we we imagined is what he says happened right and and, and these guys and the other side just refuses not to comment or refuses to comment it's it's just so juvenile which is what i don't understand it's it's almost like there needs to be an adult in the room and other than punk i mean like if you look at it from Tony's side and the Bucks side and, and Omega and whatever, like it almost seems like there needs to be an adult in charge of all of them to say, just guys, just shut up. Like just <laughs> what are we doing here? Let's make some money. And or the amount or like of the other thing we damage, said, the whole thing is a work. I I don't think that's the case. I I honestly don't think that's the case because here's the problem. So you think he got approved for his promo on Saturday where he called them out again? I don't think they approve promos. I think guys do whatever the hell they want. The The reason why it's not, I don't think it's a work, because no one turned out better. Like, no one won out of this. In Unless terms it's of not like, over. No, but what I mean is, they split their audience. They're, half their audience are like diehard Young Bucks fans, and they're like, fuck CM Punk. And then the other half of the audience are the same adults who are like, well, 
punk is right why are these children so upset and like you've you created this environment where you haven't made someone a super baby face or you haven't made someone a super heel you just made them both lukewarm assholes that no one like half the crowd doesn't care about it yeah. if it was intended to be an angle you would have had a strong baby face cm punk who got wronged by the man right you should the fact that the the Bucks and Omega and I shouldn't necessarily say Omega because he's not necessarily tied to this right now, but the fact that the Bucks and Hangman go out there and do whatever it is they do on television every week, it it leads me to believe that they aren't necessarily trying to do anything other than to entertain each other. I think that's the baseline for their shtick is let's make each other pop out there and the fans that get it will get it and the the other fans who are asking for like are still going to buy an explanation shirts. yeah <laughs> yeah like they're asking for an explanation or like logic they're like ah don't give a shit it's wrestling it's it's frustrating to no end for someone who loves wrestling to see them do what they do because they're super talented guys but they refuse to do anything of logic so it 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 just turns the whole show on its head. It doesn't make any goddamn sense. Anyways, I'm, I'm, I'm digressing on the situation. But the article was hilarious because, yeah, you're right. Everyone made a big thing about like, oh, this article is going to turn some heads. It was a pedestrian article that explained the situation exactly as we all expected pretty, the situation. In a pretty was. calm, cool, collected way. And if, anything, right? and if anything, if you look at his comments about MJF, about like he's earned it, the TV time and all this stuff, like... You can tell Punk is is all about business because he even he was shit talking MJF, but it wasn't for in that press conference. It wasn't because like he was just planting seeds, right? right. Like he, that's, and when Punk came out on television, I, I don't know why he didn't have the belt. He had like something in a bag that resembles a belt in a bag, and yeah. saying that I haven't lost this yet. So he understands that the money matches him at this point. The money matches him and MJF because he never lost the belt. MJF and they've had a program. And yes, exactly. And he referenced that, right? With that he won that actual match. What I do find interesting is that AEW has a pay-per-view on Sunday and we don't know what CM Punk is doing. I don't even know if he's going to be there Saturday. We only know four matches. Hopefully he's there Saturday. Actually, you know what? That's a great point. We should quickly touch on that too because there are a lot of conversation about the poor ticket sales in the Toronto market for AEW. Maybe someone needs to figure out how to book shows. And I don't mean book like in terms of like the writing on the show. I mean like booking buildings and towns and dates because they booked Scotiabank Arena for the pay-per-view on the Sunday, right? And then the following Wednesday, they're in Hamilton. Oh, dude, for you forgot. They booked it Saturday. For hold on, hold on. I'm, I'm, just, I'm trying to go in order of how they booked it. So, the pay-per-view on sa- on Sunday in Toronto, Scotiabank Arena, sold out pretty quickly. Then they said, okay, we're going to Hamilton on the Wednesday for Dynamite. Don't know how well or bad that those tickets sales did. I, I don't think it sold out. So then they said, you know what? Hamilton's selling so well, we're going to do Collision in Toronto the night before the pay-per-view. So now we have the 24th in Toronto, the 25th in Toronto, and then the 27th or whatever the Wednesday is in Hamilton. And you know what? Since that's selling so great, we're going to do Collision the next night in Hamilton as well. So we're in Toronto, then Toronto, then Hamilton, then Hamilton. Four straight shows 
in the same 50 kilometer radius in a span of six days. What are we doing? What, what, with what, with what hundreds doing? of dollars of tickets. But we digress. Not to mention, Collision? The first episode aired on Saturday. No one knew what the fuck Collision was. Heist will sell tickets. It's not even on, te- it's not even on television yeah. in Canada. I, but <laughs> it's a show that's not on television. I think it's time for everyone's favorite segment of the week. Show, show. Right, it's everyone's favorite segment of the week because it's the segment where we get to hear Maven's entrance music from his very long run in the WWF. I'll go first. My shout out goes to the band Mile End, which is my nephew's band. Uh, they just recently signed with New Mortality uh, Records, whatever the fuck it's called, New Mortality Zine or something like that. NMZ is the name of the record label. They are announced their tour that starts in July and they're going to be in. The Toronto area, they're going to be in Winnipeg, Regina, Calgary, Vancouver, Lethbridge, Minnesota, Madison, Wisconsin, Chicago, Illinois. They are going on tour all of July. Make sure you catch them when they are in town. Mile End is the name of the band. Go check them out. You didn't get the Wayne's World reference? I did not. Back through Chicago. Denver, Detroit. Christopher Park. No? Yeah, where's the security Um, guard telling about... uh, Buddy's tour, yeah. Was it uh, uh, sharp, Frankie Sharp, sharp Records? Sharp records. Yeah. Um, my shadow goes to Atiba Hutchinson. Uh, dude's gonna retire. Canada couldn't pull one out for him in the Nations Cup or the yeah, the Nations Cup against USA. It was actually an embarrassing performance by Canada. I watched that game and I was pretty disgusted. Oh, <laughs> so you're the one that has one soccer. Uh, I, I hear IPT. one soccer has I, one <laughs> subscriber. IPTV, sir. So they still have zero. Um, I leech off the one subscriber. Um, The uh, it was just an embarrassing performance, and I was hoping they pull out for Atiba so he could have some hardware before he retires. That could have been his last international. Actually, they're playing in a couple weeks in the Gold Cup. So, but I don't know if that counts any different than the Nations Cup. But it's it's kind of a bummer. That guy's been loyal to Canada for so long in the program. I know you have a Hutchinson jersey. Um, you know, lengthy career played uh, in Europe for a long time for one team for like eleven years, which is unheard of uh, these days. So, shout out to team too. Yeah, right. Maddie, mine goes to the Vegas Misfits. So the William Carlson, Jonathan Marchessault, and um, Jay Theodore. <sighs> No, Kelly, because they were the three guys that were with that team since the beginning. They were the castoffs from the other teams. They were the guys that essentially no one wanted, right? Um, sorry, Riley Smith. And they no one, they get out there, win their cup, you know, being the players that no one wanted, essentially. Um, and it's just cool to see guys that, you know, took something that they could be like, oh, great, I'm getting thrown off to an expansion team, you know, don't want me and just kind of go off into the night or kind of whatever. But they just took the opportunity to become really, really good players and, you know, went out there and 
won themselves a cup. So good on them. And good on Bruce Cassidy for that game Come winning. Back. No, the um he started them. They're not their starters. Yeah, no. And that was awesome. Yeah. So really cool that he had them start that game. But so. good for him to have a comeback from getting fired to a cup from zero to hero. Well, someone someone had a quote that after he got fired and said he's going to sign in Vegas, and he's going to win a cup. And then look what happened. First year. So. And also, yeah. how about that Simpsons episode where Homer and Ned end up like partying all night in Las Vegas and like when they wake up in the morning, there's a Stanley Cup in their uh, oh, yeah. hotel room. So it's still more prophetic from the Simpsons. Simpsons knows what's up. And so do you for tuning into another episode of 43.6. We greatly appreciate you listening and subscribing and sharing with all your friends and liking and doing all those wonderful things. We will see you next week. But until then, take care of yourselves and each other.